We have a real connection, a rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What? Did you say something? I don't think so. Weird. Explainers. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And today we're going to be, uh, because again, uh, we are recording this in the times where, you, you know what, technically we can go to the theater and Dave has been going to the theater. I have not been going to the theater, uh, but we we found a movie that was on Netflix that thought might be worth a chin wag. Sure. And, and that is, I'm thinking of ending things. Mm. And this is a film that was uh, both written and directed, or oh, a screenplay by, and directed by Charlie Kaufman, who you probably know from his work on the Dana Carvey show. I think that's where most people, and Get a Life. And I think Get also a Life, he, yeah, he also worked on that, that's true. That's very yeah, true. And, and I think that's where most people know him. Other people, uh, you know, weirdos, might also know him from uh, Eternal Spot, uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, Being John uh, Malkovich. And uh, those are movies that he did not direct, but he's he's been directing his own films lately uh, and making them very hard to pronounce. Um, Synecdoche, like Synecdoche, Synec- New York. Synecdoche, yeah, and, and so on. <laughs> and and uh, what else is he about? Uh, I, I know. All right. Why don't you just tell me what that one is? Anomalies. Oh, Anomalisa. Anomalisa. There you are. There, there you are. I, I mean, have not listen. seen that one. No, uh, I started to watch it, and the images were. Uh, see, I made a mistake. <laughs> I, um, I I think I started watching it when I was too sleepy, mm. and I started dreaming at the same time, and okay. then I connected some things together. And I went like, "This isn't good." So I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that a little bit later on. But that is a stop motion uh, animation uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, that he that he did. Uh, and, and yeah, look, he's a very very creative person. Lots of uh, interesting ideas, and uh, this film uh, does contain interesting ideas for sure. It stars uh, Jesse Plemons, who is kind of the go-to guy now. If you want someone who looks at times like, what a gentle, nice, oh no, uh, <laughs> fella. I know him from the Fargo TV show or Breaking Bad sure. or uh, Black Mirror. He had a very creepy episode of Black Mirror. Uh, he's just mm. a good guy for that kind of role. Yes, he's like the he's like this he's like the not Matt Damon of Holly, of of movies right now. Yeah, he's you know what he he really is he's um uh, he's kind of the Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, sure. type as well. He's got you know the sad eyes that kind yeah. of relate to him, and then at a point you go oh oh. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of pent up anger and frustration. Yeah, in that get, get some distance. Get some distance here. Uh, also starring Jesse uh, Buckley, who I guess uh, I saw the most of uh, in the Chernobyl uh, series. I didn't see all that series. Oh, okay. But she's in that. She was also in the uh, the film Beast. Um, Don't know that movie. Uh, that I, I think that's the Shyamalan film, isn't it? Is oh it? no, no, it's completely not. No, I am so sorry. <laughs> Guys, I couldn't be more sorry. I'm so sorry. 
I'm an idiot on that stuff. No, this was uh, this this is an artsy uh, she's, film. She's very good in Wild Rose, where she plays. Okay, very a, good. Let's go with that. Yeah, she and plays listen, a, a a Scottish mother of two, a single mother who wants to be a, a country singer. Cool. And it's a very okay. good film. You see, here's the thing. I thought there was there was a movie called Split. The villain and he turns into a graphical beast. Mm-hmm. It was around that same time. Sure. I connected those things together. Yeah. I'm wrong. And you said she was in the X-Men. That's, yeah. Sure. There was also the, yeah. You know what? Who wasn't in the X-Men, <laughs> frankly? So I always, you know what? You just can say that and it's like throwing a dart at the board and you just might get something. Look, the da- the dad in this is David uh, Thewlis. Th- David Thewlis, yeah. Who you would go like, well, that's your British art house fella. Yeah. But no, he was like uh, in Wonder Woman. I won't sure. say who he was because there's a spoiler there. But like, you know, listen, everyone ends up in a superhero movie eventually. That's right. Once, once so famous for his role in Naked and, and now chewing the scenery in a Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. That's great. Getting all uh, CGI'd up. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then and then finally, listen. It's a little bit of a creepy movie. We got to get someone to play a mother. Who has been the best uh, at playing mothers in creepy movies uh, over a very long career? Yeah, Tony Collette. So we got your Tony Collette. <laughs> yeah, like she was a mom. She's got an interesting story. And she was the mom in The Sixth Sense. Yep. And you think like, oh, how long ago was that? It's like it's the kind of situation like a Catherine O'Hara now, where you know it's like she's uh, you know winning Emmys. Uh, for Shit's Creek, yeah. and he was just like, "Well, she was the mum in Home Alone. She, how long <laughs> has she been playing the mum for? I swear, Macaulay Culkin's in his fifties. What's going on? What's happening?" Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they both uh, are the eternal mothers of the um, spotless careers. They're, everyone, they're loves. this generation's. Ugh, forgot her name now. Damn it! <laughs> you know who uh, I mean, right? Angela Lansbury. Sure. Okay, I thought you, you were know, going to. I thought you were going to. Someone you didn't like, I'd be like, no, they're no. just this generation's, ugh. No, no. <laughs> That's a little harsh off the top. I didn't mean that. Angela Lansbury, you know, like she was playing Lawrence Harvey's mom in the Manchurian Candidate, and she was like three years older than him. Right. It's crazy. But well, she just had that look about her that worked, you know? Yeah, it's always it's always important to mention that uh, uh, Sally Field was the love interest uh, with Tom Hanks in Punchline, and very shortly afterwards was his mom mm-hmm. in Forrest Gump. Because Hollywood, if you want a horror uh, story, that's Hollywood for you. Well, you know, it's not hey, just that. I mean... She aged three years. When she was... It's not just that. but I mean, it's partly that, but it's also the fact that when she did Punchline, she was at the height of her stardom, or nearing the end of her stardom, I guess. And then by the time she was doing Forrest Gump, she was she was done. Well, wait a second. When did she, uh, when did she get the, uh, you like me, you really, really like me? What did she win that? That for? was for uh, well, the first one she got was for Norma Ray, and the yeah, second yeah, yeah. one she got was for how was it called? The one where she w- worked a plantation, like a cotton plantation, and she had like a blind John Malkovich and all these people helping her. What the heck was that movie called now? Okay, uh, well, it wasn't. Uh, it, okay, I'm gonna. Listen, I know I'm going to just start naming uh, Sally Field movies that okay. are wrong. Yeah. Uh, the wrong ones are yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. She in no way won for Mrs. Doubtfire. No. She she didn't win for Forrest Gump. No. Nope. Did she win for Steel Magnolias? No. Nope. Oh, because I thought she might have. That was Olympia uh, Dukakis. Murphy's Romance. Nope. Uh, Absence of Malice. Nope. Well, she didn't win for Smokey and the Bandit. Nope. Um, crying out loud. What was that movie called? 
What was the movie called? <laughs> are you actually are you looking at her filmography? <laughs> yeah, I've got to look at her filmography now because this is just bugging me. Okay, well. Uh, there we are. Uh, one, uh, well, lots of Emmy Awards. Was there one like Places in the Heart? Is that what it was called? Yeah, no, it could very well be Places in the Heart. Gosh, you know, who doesn't like Places in the Heart? Where the hell, what the heck did she win for? This is terrible. <laughs> I'm so... You're not on that Google one where it like randomly selects movies. Norma, right, Norma Ray, of course. Yes, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was the first one. Uh, places in the Heart, yes. Yes, that that's what she won. It had like Amy Madigan in it and John Malkovich and... Some other people and who later was in being John Malkovich. That's right, which, which is a Charlie Charlie Kaufman, which brings us back to what we're <laughs> freaking talking about. You know, uh, besides Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I like, I like quite a bit, but don't love. Uh, I don't think I've liked a single other Charlie Kaufman script or movie. You didn't like being John Malkovich? No, I did not like that movie. I, I, I really like that movie. I, I did not really like any... Hitting. Yeah, I just didn't like the people in it, so I really had a hard time connecting to that movie. Okay. Uh, they all kind of... They're just... And then... You didn't like the adaptation? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I thought adaptation, it uh, spoiled the con- the concept of it. it. It wrecked it at the end of the movie, and I, whereas I felt like there should be a synthesis of the two halves of this person. Instead, they kill off one half of this guy... And then it's you're like, well, shouldn't he be like a combination of both of these characters? Shouldn't he be like, you know, a nebbish, but then also like have that brash element to himself and like combine them together to create a whole map? Ma- oh, no, you're just going to kill off the, the kind of obnoxious guy. Okay, well, that's a choice, I guess. Weird. But anyway, it's your movie. <laughs> go, go for it. But yeah, I yeah. just didn't, I didn't like that. I just thought they kind of dropped the ball thematically. I like to I like being Jung Malkovich quite a bit. I liked adaptation. Uh, Eternal Sunshine I admired but did not enjoy. But I know technically it was beautiful. I just like the I just like the ending where they both realize that they want to be together again, even though they know it will most likely end badly. And I just like that. Yeah, that's a nice. Uh, I think nice that's idea. a great. You know, I think that's just. I think that's just a really grown up way to look at. At relationships, and I really like that. It's it's pretty rare in Hollywood that a romantic movie is that that clear, clear has that clear vision of you know this, the inevitability of of relationships is. But I think like something one like person that, leaves, you know. Yeah, I think something like the Malkovich and adaptation were marketed as comedies, you know, because they mm. are such bizarre ideas. Like yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You know, though though they all contain elements. All all three of those films contain elements of. Uh, horror movies you can mm-hmm. very easily make them horror movies yeah but like, i think the ending of uh, being john malkovich without spoiling what the ending is is chilling as hell um <laughs> uh but i i have not seen uh schenectady uh is it uh, a comedy does it have comedy elements in it no okay because no. it feels like uh after spotless and even maybe midway through spotless it was like comedy is gone. We're gonna get rid of that, <laughs> and we're just gonna do the ideas. Yeah. We're not gonna wrap them in humor no. to get you there. And then until you get to the point where we're seeing the film we're seeing today, yeah, and and like there's oddness to mm-hmm. to it, but just you're just not getting you're just not getting the comedy, and and <laughs> it feels a shame uh, that you're taking that tool out of the toolbox. Yeah, you know, it seems like that's something that can really get you to places. Uh, that uh, that uh, you might want to go to. It, like it reminds me a lot of uh, David Lynch, and David Lynch can take you to some very very weird places. But mm-hmm. then when David Lynch wants to deliver a joke, it's a solid joke mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. lifts everything up. And you're just ah, 
and you can just relax a little bit and then and shake your shoulders out and now we're back into the world <laughs> but david lynch kind of knows how to most of his movies there's a character or two that you can connect with emotionally whether it's you know dale cooper and the twi- you know or sailor and lulu in wild at heart or i don't know i don't know uh, kyle mclaughlin's character's name in in uh, blue velvet right. you know but you you know whether it's laura dern in that movie or 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 kyle mclaughlin in that film you connect to those characters in a way that gets you through the more grisly aspects of the story yeah, you know, and I Jeffrey, think Jeffrey Belmont was his character. Okay, I think maybe Lost Highway is the one film by him that I find really opaque in terms of you know like connecting to the characters in it. I that movie leaves me very cold. Although I think it's interesting, I just it it's not my favorite David Lynch movie. Um, but yeah, like Mulholland Drive, you're you're very connected to Naomi Watts' character. You know, she seems so bright and bubbly when the film opens, you know, and as the movie takes darker and darker turns, you are going through that, you are connect, still connected to her and going through those twists and turns with that character. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas I think Kaufman has a harder time creating scenarios where there is a connection with the characters. And like I say, that was my issue with, with being John Malkovich is I had no feeling, I had no, you know, I had no, con- I, there was nothing I liked about those characters. And so I had a hard time enjoying what I was watching. I mean, it was interesting. It's an interesting concept, but there you go. And kind of the same with, and I feel the same way about uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, except for the Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet characters, everyone else in it seems really despicable and I have no interest in them, you know? So it's just, it's just a hard thing. If you're going to make despicable characters, you still have to make them interesting. They're, they're just, you know, what's despicable about them still has to be kind of gripping and interesting. And I find that, I don't know, I find his characters are very flat feeling to me. And, and, and yeah, so I have not, you know, like, I've not seen Annalisa either. And, and I probably wouldn't have watched this film except that you say you, you recommend. I thought, well, you know, that's, that's different than what we've been doing. So that, that sounds fun. Yeah. I thought I, I was hoping uh, for a little bit of the older, uh, the older Kaufman sure, stuff. And, sure. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, let me ask you this. Did you, and by the way, if you ever listen to our Sneaky Dragon show, half of the show is me asking Dave, like, hey, let me ask you this. <laughs> Have you ever been to a student film festival? Well, you know what's funny when they say that? It's because this movie, when I was watching it, you know what it reminded me of? What's that? Finnegan's Chin. Very much so. Yeah, we did get stuck once watching <laughs> watching an art house movie for a very long period of time. Yeah, which was a movie... For people who don't know what Finnegan's Chin is, it was a, a and film. And they don't, trust me. Yeah. It was a film. It was about an hour and a half movie, I would say. It felt much longer. Yeah, I feel like we're still watching it. <laughs> and in this movie, this literally happens. This is the actual thing. A person wakes up, eats bre- like shaves, eats breakfast. I guess he gets dressed, you know, goes outside, gets his bike, and then rides off. That's basically the entire film. But it takes the movie an hour and a half to tell that very simple story. And, and they it, keep repeating it. That's yeah. right. It does it by repeating, by adding elements. There's a dance sequence in it, which done in sort of like a Japanese no style. Um, there's a... Because we were shouting no through the whole thing. <laughs> we, we were the ones saying no as well. Uh, there's a lot of like very um, artsy elements to it. Yeah, a lot of repeating... And just w- watching this film, I was I was I was gripped by a sense of deja vu, as if I had seen this all before. You know? Right, Here, uh, like I um, I don't mind. Like I enjoy going to an art gallery. I'll go to an art gallery. I'll go to a show that's like a you know uh, 
impressionist. I mean, I'll go to a show that's like just bizarre. Sure, I'm sure, fine sure. with that. Yep. Because I can look at the painting and mm-hmm. then when I feel like it, I can walk away from it. <laughs> yes. Or whatever the thing is. Yeah, that's yeah. great. You can, edit, you can edit your experience. That's right. I'm not locked in for 134 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Of watching of watching this go on. Like honestly, if I wasn't talking about it for this, I probably would have like done fast forward and got the point and let's check Wikipedia. All right, and we're done. But uh, no. Uh, but yeah, when we saw the Finnegan's chin, it really was we were trapped. And then it got to a point where we've just got to see how this goes. We've, we're just in too deep. And it's the uh, it's the whole Dante thing, you know. Just like, we got to get to the bottom of hell because yeah. that's the only way to to escape. We didn't have Plato uh, to guide us, though. We were by ourselves in that experience. You know? No, we oh, no, we did not. But I've been to I've been to many a um, uh, film festival mm. uh, thing where it's like amateur films being done. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Film festivals, and it, you you watch them, and like the opening scene usually is like, well, that's beautiful. <laughs> Look at that shot. Isn't that a heck of a shot? Mm-hmm. That shot's gorgeous. They had a lot of time when they were doing that shot. This is the, lots of time, <laughs> and then you know whatever ends up happening. But then you get the gist of what's going on, and you're like, okay, so we're gonna get to it. Or are we going to like just really mess around and like, oh, we're going to mess around and, and and be artsy and here we are and it's okay. And sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not. And But you, but there's something about a real art house movie that you just go like, would it be, what if we just got to the point? What if we just got to it? What if we did? Okay, we're fine. Here we go. And I kind of felt like that when I was watching this, just in general. It's yeah, just like, yeah. like mm-hmm, I, okay, here we go. I, I agree. And I was kind of, when I was watching, I was thinking, Charlie, aren't you a little old to be doing your student <laughs> student films? <laughs> You're yeah. Yeah, going all artsy on us. But... It feels the, the earlier movies were more mature. Like, they do deal with, you know, mortality and, and such things. Uh, and, and big issues. Big, mm-hmm. big, big ideas. Yeah. Uh, but they deal with them again with humor and a lot more cleverness. And this just yeah. Uh, seemed, yeah, like using the the box the box of tricks from <laughs> from your yeah your, your student days. And it's like it's 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 okay. Yeah. Like technically technically it's very well done. It is very well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's just wh- why. <laughs> well, the, yeah, I went out. Like, I don't want to be mean, but I, while I was watching, I was thinking, how did he get money to make this movie? Like, is he really just like still eating, dining out on, on adaptation and being John Malkovich? Is that, wow. is that what uh, people are wanting? Like, they're just hoping for that, that eternal sunshine to, to sort kinda, of pop out. I've kind of come to a theory about Netflix okay. movies that's somewhat and series yeah. that's that's ruined it for me a little bit. I was watching that's ruined I Netflix think, for you. A little bit, yeah, because okay, it's okay. like you can you can see the you can see now the wiring, uh-huh. and it's like uh, I was watching uh, the Charlize Theron series. What was it? The Order was that what, what it was called? The the guard? No, the order. The guard, the, guard, the guard, the order. Yeah, exactly. It could be any one of the names. The old, you know what it is. old guard or something. The old uh, order guard. The right guard presents. <laughs> uh, the border guard. Guys. The border guard. Oh, the border order guard. The old border yeah. guard. So I was watching it, yeah. and uh, it's it's created and written actually by someone I I lately lately know. Okay. Um, and I was like, oh, let's see let's see how this is because I like some of their work and some of yeah. it. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, I like uh, what's it? What's it? Uh, Stumptown. I like that series. And that was a great that. So yeah. so I'm watching it and going like, oh wow, this is beautiful again. Beautiful sweeping opening scenes, like yeah. gorgeous sweeping opening scenes. 
And then we're in a, a very tight room, closed room, very small room. Yeah. And then the fight scene happens in the small room. And then like sweeping scene with nobody that we know in the film in it. <laughs> we're just establishing shot, tight, small room, yeah. tight, small, small, tight room, huh. talking, talking, talking. Maybe yeah. a fight happens in this tight room. And this is all the Netflix series. They're all like beautiful outdoors, not involving in any way, usually the people involved. Yeah. And then, and then the vast majority is all in a tight space. So you get your away. That's your, uh, you know, your space drama with your Hillary Swank. Yeah. And uh, it's like, well, a lot of it's going to be all in closed space mm. while they're traveling to Mars. And then another enclosed space where he's in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you sell it to Netflix. It's not going to cost much. You're going to pay for the actors. Yeah. But you're not going to have to pay for a lot of stuff happening. We're mm. never going to, you know, do a big action car chase scene, you know, that leads into a this, that leads into a that. We're just going to do that. So when I saw this, it was like, it takes place in a house, it takes place in a car, it takes place in the school sold of course it's sold that costs nothing that's pennies on that's pennies yeah, yeah. nothing you're paying for the actors how many actors buy or four four actors and then some extras yeah of course you're going to sell that to, to netflix no problem they love a tight environment like small small environments uh that's great we can do that so, so it's fine that's a, that's uh, that's an interesting theory because yeah like the oa got canceled and that took had so much stuff outdoors so they must have just mm -hmm. And same with um, Sensate, which I know it was a very expensive show to make. I mean, uh, you know, if it wasn't, if it had a low viewership, I d don't blame them for canceling it because it was filmed all over the world. And it, yeah, you're right. It was filmed all over the world, but also outdoors. Like there's lots of yeah, big watch scenes. Watch any Netflix film. Sweeping, outdoor, beautiful, establishing B-roll. Yeah. Tight. Drone, tight, drone tight, shots. <laughs> drone shots. Yeah. Watch your uh, Warrior Nun. Beautiful, sweeping shot. Tight inside room. There yeah, you go. Yeah. And yeah, this this one definitely had that claustrophobia. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're kind of getting general into it. Is there anything else you want to say generally before we kind of dive in, into the uh, the film? No, I think we've uh, I think we've said all we want to say. Um, I have quite there a... was... Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say... Oh, sorry. You, right. you, you say first. You say first. All I'm going to say is there was a uh, Robert Zemeckis joke that made me laugh very hard. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was... That, that was, was the good. one joke... And the weird thing was, because there was one joke, then I realized there's no jokes. <laughs> okay, but please. Yeah. But it wasn't even really a joke because it relates to this to the the, the the theme of the film in so many ways. So mm -hmm. it was kind of a joke, but it was also kind of like the most apt name that it could possibly be in that situation. So, mm -hmm. but I was just gonna say, like when we did say when we did Ghostbusters a while back. I took uh, I took I like I like to take notes when I watch the movies just in case there's no um, write up about them. Okay, this was the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, and I, and I find and I find that a lot of the write ups are kind of inaccurate, so I prefer my own. Uh, but when I did Ghostbusters, that was uh, four pages and basically three and a half pages actually of mm -hmm. notes. I took so many notes for this movie; it's not even funny. Oh, oh, that scares Be me. Because it's okay. not there's no incident in the movie. Do you know uh -huh. what I mean? Like, so you can't like write down. You know, they they go to the moon, and then that that will remind you what the moon sequence is. You know what I mean? This movie has nothing that happens in it necessarily. So, what you're doing is you're writing out all this sort of ephemera that they're talking about and stuff. Because this movie is basically all talking. Like you can't just write they drive because they drive for half the film. So if you just write they drive, what does that tell you? Nothing, you know? So it's just, it was a lot of note-taking. Oh, my gosh. So let's get to the note-taking. How does that sound? Um, I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those films that, honestly, 
you can talk about for an hour and a half or you can talk about it for 10 minutes <laughs> and both are legit well let's go through them if you don't want to go through it we can speed it up but this is i took notes all right i took notes okay by the way let me just ask you just yeah. to just be clear before we get started sure uh do you think you know what the movie was about i think i've got a good good idea i think i do too all right uh now to be fair i did watch a couple of videos about it afterwards oh like, you oh. cheater no, because I wanted I want to know. I just wanted to see like if there's stuff I was missing. Okay, and, okay. Uh, and so from that, I've assembled. Uh, no one seems to have said what the, just directly what I think the movie is about, uh, and so that uh, that that surprised me. They, they beat around the bush a bit. Okay, but it just feels like oh, that, this is what it's about, right? But anyway, go ahead. All right. Continue. So first off, the movie helpfully starts in the, the best way a movie can start, I think, which is to get the title of the movie out of the way. So you can do your pen and teller, yes, at the sound of the right. movie's title. So the very first words of the film are, I'm thinking of ending things. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh yeah. And then we get a monologue and then various shots of a house interior. You don't know what this, how, where this house is or whose house it is, but you get a lot of shots of a house interior. Then you get, it moves to an exterior shot. What's interesting about the exterior shot is that it's not related to the exterior of the house that you saw the interior of. You don't realize that when you're watching this part of the film, but it's a fact that later on you realize, oh, this is not a view uh, from the, the, the parents' house, which is what this opening part is. Let's give it away. It's from the janitor's house because we cut to like a broken swing set in a yard. Mm. And that is in the janitor's yard. He's looking outside at that. And so, yeah, anyway. Um, so we then cut to... A woman, we learn her name is Lucy, waiting. In the... No, we don't. Well, uh, yes, I, yes, I, we can go on for that. But she is initially introduced as Lucy. Let's say that. Okay. So it's snowing and she's waiting outside. We then cut to a shot of, I'm going to call him the janitor. We don't know he's a janitor yet, but let's just call him by his, by his profession. So since we don't learn his name, we cut to a shot of the janitor looking outside from a window. It looks like he's looking from an upper story or from an apartment building. And Lucy seems to be aware that he is looking at her, but the windows that she looks up to are not the same as the window he's looking out of. He is looking out of a window with a rounded upper part to the window, and the windows she's looking up at are rectangular. Mm. And so you're like, okay. <laughs> so, so then uh, it implies a connection between them, but we don't know what that connection is. Then a car comes up, and she's very excitedly waves to this car. Very excitedly waves to this car. And... Well, let me just say, Lucy's played by Jesse Buckley. We mentioned that earlier, but Jesse right. Buckley plays Lucy. If, you, if you'd rather have a name for uh, Jesse Plemons, his name is Jake. In the, yeah, uh, yeah. I know. Uh, so then, um, yes, Jake, played by Jesse Plemons, pulls up in his car and picks up Lucy. Then they begin to drive. Um, so while they're driving, Lucy thinks to herself, or she repeats something we hear her say a few times in the film, which is, I'm thinking of ending things. And Jake seems to hear that. Like he kind of reacts to her thoughts. It if, feels like he's trying to interrupt that. Like he doesn't want her to keep going with that thought. Yeah. yeah. But it's also strange that he knows that she's thinking that because most of the time we don't know what people are thinking. Um, we then cut to the janitor. He's eating breakfast while watching television. It looks like he's watching uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle or something like that. Uh, he's watching, well... A fractured yeah, Fables or something like that? No, no he's, wa- he's watching um, Sherman and... Uh, 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 okay. And Sherman. Sure, okay. 
Yeah. So, which is part of the Bullwinkle show. Yeah. So yeah. technically, you are correct. The best kind of correct. <laughs> That's the only kind of like the legal correct way. Yeah, because I really like the ending of the uh, of that cartoon where uh, people are throwing uh, flowers and uh, that little janitor has to like sweep up all the stuff afterwards because where a janitor is watching this. Yes. And he's watching a cartoon about a janitor who, uh, you know, everything else is glorious and he's the, <laughs> and the janitor in the cartoon has to clean up afterwards and no one knows the janitor is there. <laughs> so we then, I just want to also point out that uh, the janitor is played by an actor named Guy Boyd. I don't know who he is, but that's his name. Yeah. He hasn't done a lot of big things. Okay. Yes. Okay. So uh, we then cut back to the car, the car ride and Jake is telling Lucy that his mother is ill and that she shouldn't expect a big spread when she gets there because she's not been feeling well. And so she's unlikely she'll be up for that. And he recommends that they stop for a snack. Lucy, however, is not hungry. So they continue to drive. We then cut back to the janitor who's brushing his teeth. And then he gets into an old truck and he drives off. We cut back to Jake and Lucy driving. Lucy is thinking to herself that she's uncertain of her relationship with Jake. Uh, at that moment, Jake brings up Wordsworth. And this is where we get our first intimation of mortality or immortality as the poem is he mentions uh wordsworth famous intimations of mortality of immortality at that famous poem and also that he wrote a series of poems about a woman named lucy who died when she was young not that he's implying that his girlfriend lucy is going to die young but that that this some a connection to wordsworth in that way yeah she was an ideal yeah yeah lucy then receives a phone call on her phone which is set for old person ringtone the sound of an old, old-fashioned, uh, a, you know, a rotary phone ringing, but she doesn't answer. She she turns it off. She then sees a brand new swing set in front of an abandoned house, which she finds very strange. And Jake attempts to make a make up an explanation for it, come to some sort of explanation that maybe the parent, people had bought, just bought the house and they set up the swing set as a way to entertain the children while they're working on the fixing up the house. But Lucy is not convinced. She thinks, thinks it's very odd. Uh... He then mentions that a lot of snow is expected. And then um, Lucy is concerned because she needs to get back that night because she says she has a paper due. She is writing about um, rabies for a paper. So we understand that she is in some way doing some sort of medical studies. Mm -hmm. And but Jake reassures her because he has chains. A theme throughout the film is that he has chains for his tires. Yeah, because he's responsible. He's, he's very responsible. He's the guy who will bring chains, so everyone's <laughs> going to be fine. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we then cut to the janitor at work, and this is when we realize, oh, he's a janitor. That's a good thing to realize, I guess. Um, we cut back to the car ride, and Jake has developed some sort of weird saliva fleck, a fleck of saliva in his corner of his mouth, which is bothering Lucy. And Jake seems to become aware of it in a strange way, and he wipes it away in a very self-conscious way. And so it seems to further bring about this sort of idea of a connection between them. Did, uh, what did you think the saliva was all about? Or did you have a, a theory? I didn't really have that? a theory about the saliva. My theory on that was as we, you know, you've, you've, you've stated a connection between, by the way, we're going to just start spoiling things. Yeah. Yeah. No, want. this is all spoilers. Don't worry about um, it. The, uh, because the, he is the janitor. Um, the, yeah, yeah. Little, the little white uh, speck of, uh, of stuff in the side of the mouth. That's an old man thing. That's oh, something okay. that old people have. Uh, or older older people have, and when young people see it, they get grossed out by it, mm, and it's it's mm. a, it's an embarrassing thing for an older person. A young person who's in his thirties 
uh, like Jake should yeah. not have that. Oh, okay. And so okay. there's just a little bit of something there. Yeah. So that's why it bothers Lucy. She is a yeah. young person. I see. Yeah. She's disgusted in the same way a young person would be disgusted, an old person with a little something in their mouth like that. <laughs> so then Jake uh, turns on the radio and uh, looking for a station they can listen to. Now, um, the janitor was listening to the radio in his truck. We forgot to mention that he was listening to like a, some sort of pastor speaking, uh, like, you know, like it's not something that we really have here, but I understand in parts of the of middle America and probably in the South, there are religious channels where people can listen sure. to people, endless uh, sermons and whatnot. Not something that we're familiar with where we live, but. Uh, now the sermon that he's uh, going through, were you familiar with what part of the Bible they were talking about? No, actually I didn't uh, regard that. Do you know what it was? I do not. Oh, okay. I shoot. Not. I wish I thought to to listen more carefully. I didn't didn't occur to me. There's That's other okay. other parts where I was more uh, keen to figure things out, but that I just kind of let wash over me as if it was a preacher on the radio. I'm going to take a wild guess and guess mortality. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. Job. Maybe Job. Uh, so then Lucy kind of seems to think it's weird that he knows about Oklahoma, and he meant he mentions that they would perform it at his school, his high school. And uh, then he lists a long list of musicals, which is not a good way to say, I don't know very many musicals. Then if you list 10 musicals after that, you're not convincing anyone that you don't know much about musicals. But he does mention that Oklahoma is his favorite. Yeah, he knows too many musicals for a young person as well. <laughs> he, knows, he knows too many of these things. He's seen too much. He is, as we will find out later, actually an older person. Mm-hmm. And so he's seen all of these musicals perform at the school yeah. that he is uh, that he is at. Well, sp- and- speaking of which, we then cut to the janitor cleaning in the auditorium where the students are rehearsing Oklahoma. Yeah. So and we- the girls, This uh, a running theme here is uh, when, he, when he looks at the girls doing anything, mm-hmm. they look at him with disgust. Yeah, yeah. Because of his, because of his age. Mm. Uh, or maybe it just looks like a creep. Uh, and so well, it's hard when, for old people to not look creepy to young people. So, right. So when, I think when Lucy is asking, why do you know Oklahoma? I think that does, that does kind of go in that as well. It's just like, why would you know Oklahoma? Yeah. You shouldn't know this. This isn't for you. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, Oh, well, no, you know, listen, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about this. Yeah. This is, this is the thing like young people are disgusted by him. He's uh he's up. This is something that upsets him quite a good deal. Yeah. So, although Jake didn't didn't recite Wordsworth to Lucy, he does ask Lucy to recite a poem, which it, it is said that she wrote this poem. And so she she recites a poem that is called Bone Dog, and which is basically telling us that coming home is terrible, and you know it's um it's kind of a very bleak poem about. Uh, it's, it goes a lot about bones and stuff like that, so I imagine it's something to do with death. And and what's interesting is the last part of the poem, the last verse, she speaks directly to us, the viewers watching. Like yeah. she speaks directly to the camera, so she's looking at you as she recites the end of the poem. Right, and she's saying in that uh, in that's in that spot to us everything that you see from this point on. You know, uh, these are the these are the bones. Yeah. Okay. So okay, from this point on. Some things have changed in this story. And I know, that's actually something that creeps me out more than anything in a movie. Like, uh, you can do a jump scare and I'll be like, ah. But if you, <laughs> if you really, really want to freak me out in a movie, yeah. I have a character just slowly turn and look directly at me. <laughs> Is that, that right? Yeah. One of the creepiest things, speaking of David Lynch, 
was when you had um, uh, Bob. Bob was the villain, right? The uh, the, the murderer. In Twin Peaks, yeah, in Twin Peaks. In Twin, yeah. in Twin yeah. Peaks. There's a scene where they're in Laura Palmer's house, mm. and he's walking in the distance in the uh, in the living room, and then he just turns and sees you, mm. and just slowly crawls towards you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, like, I don't want, <laughs> I don't need characters in things to know that I'm here. That's funny. That's funny that that scares you that much. That's funny. Oh, it's a very disturbing scene. Yeah, because he 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 knows you're there now too, and now yeah, yeah, you're part of it. That does yeah. that does something for me in a way. It, takes away the scare for me because it reminds me that I'm just watching something that's just filmed and it's not real. Yeah. It's... Everyone else, everyone in the, in Twin Peaks thought they were safe too. And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, what scares me more is uh, when a person's back is to me in a movie. Mm. Like if they just have like a long tracking shot just to the, to the, well, someone doesn't turn because mm-hmm. you know, it just lets your imagination run rampant where you just like you don't know what their face is you don't know what they're going to turn and look look at you as or anything you know so that that i find more scary because then it allows my imagination to to do its thing so jake is very moved by this poem that that lucy by her poem quote unquote her poem that that she's that she has recited and and feels that she is speaking directly to him which she is speaking directly to him yeah (laughs) in a way uh Lucy, however, feels that things are very wrong with Lucy. So she is her she is ill at ease in this relationship. That's what we can basically understand. Mm. They then are talking about uh, he kind of ad- admits that he has been infected by movies. Like he has sort of an uh, un, un, un what would I call it an un um, well an optimism that is not grounded in reality. Let's put it that way. Okay. And so. And she accuses him of being infected by movies, and he agrees that you know because remember he says you know like she she says life is like a train and it's just taking you places, and he says well you can jump off the train, and she says well but if you really jumped off a train you would just break your leg, and he said oh I guess that's right I guess I've been you know kind of influenced by movies to think that it's a very simple thing to jump off a train, but actually it's moving at thirty you know thirty to forty miles per hour that's not a very safe thing to jump off of and. You know, so they decide that movies are like viruses in a way. It's like rabies, like the paper she's writing, where it attaches to your, attaches to your ganglia and starts to infect you. And and there's and then something happens where she becomes very concerned about something, and then it, immediately they arrive somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So she's like right. be, starts becoming she starts becoming concerned about the fact that it's snowing so much and they're not going to be able to get home and. She has a paper due and da 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 da, and then like, over here, we're at my parents' house. Yeah, the cars, you know, we're, we're right there. They park, they pull up, they park their car, they get out of the car, and then they see what we assume is Jake's mother waving f- to them frantically from from a window in the upper story of the house, and they wave back to her, and then Jake decides that he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to go in right away. He wants to stretch his legs or whatever, and it feels like he's kind of avoiding going into the house. But he decides he's going to give a tour of the farm to to Lucy. Right. He wants to share some memories with her and yeah. you know, make her understand. Yeah. yeah. But let's face it: if you're if you're a person who doesn't uh, didn't grow up around farms, and you go to a farm like at night or in the winter time, they're kind of creepy places. They're very dark, and usually the the barns are old. You know, they were built in the '40s and the '50s, and so they have that kind of very worn worn down look you know the woods the wood is the wood and the floors are all kind of been walked over so many times they're, they they become rounded they become grooved where where the traffic has been most common 
and you know paints peeling it's dusty because no one goes and cleans their barn you know so it's it, it's there's a very kind of creepy feeling to it if if you're not used to that you know like if you if you didn't go in the summertime when the sun is shining and it's warm and and you know and the swallows are flying around and the horses are in the barn or the horses are outside and you get a sense of what a farm is like and you go in like midwinter it's a very bleak experience and i feel like this movie gives that sense very well you know like you get the sense of these very empty big empty buildings that are dark poorly lit and they go in and you see the the sheep they're penned inside and lucy herself says it's you know dreary and she feels sorry for the sheep just living this sort of very enclosed limited life of just eating and you know eating shitting and dying basically and you know kind of describing our own <laughs> our own circumstances yeah you can definitely pick that up <laughs> like at this point you don't know what type of movie this is yeah yeah like looking looking back on it you can see what this is all about mm, mm. um but at this point when you see him looking up at his mother that to me is like oh this is psycho this is uh, this is the mom who's like you know in the window and she's, you know, of course, the mom in Psycho was not waving happily. But when you see, when you see, you know, there's the big ominous, something's wrong with mother. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to go meet mother now. And I'm not telling you what's wrong with mother. Yeah. But something's wrong with mother. Yeah. And then you look up in the window and you see that she seems happy and waving way too hard. Yeah. And it's like, hmm. Okay, now this is this feels like we're doing a horror movie. Yeah. It's like, wait, yeah. let me show you the rest of the mm. haunted house. Yeah. Before yeah. we do, and you know, it tells her a creepy story. Yeah. About the about the farm. So it feels like we're laying the laying the paint right now to 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 be a to be a horror movie, and it could just be a straight horror movie yeah. that we're about to watch. Who knows? So there's a few things that don't make sense though if you are familiar with farms. So in the doorway, there's some dead lambs, like I guess frozen dead and frozen which doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's uh not lambing season so there shouldn't be lambs but okay and then you know she's she's kind of concerned about them and, he, and she's like well what's going to happen to them he says what do you mean they're dead <laughs> there's nothing that's going to happen to you know they'll end up getting thrown away or whatever and then uh she takes him to to um the pigsty where the pigs were living before and and it's just a, kind of em- empty with this sort of weird dark spot in the center of it that almost looks like a hole in the ground. And he tells this story of this horrible story of the pigs developing some sort of uh, illness where they were being consumed by maggots. Uh, and so the pigs had to be destroyed. And so you're getting those kind of horrible farm stories as well, which if, once again, knowing people who, knowing farm people as I do, there is a certain kind of callus that builds up over them about the animals that you know the classic expression if you're gonna have livestock you're gonna have dead stock you know you just have to kind of be aware of that you know you have to deal with with the with the reality of 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 life when you have a farm you know which is that things live and things die and that's just how it is yeah that's a that's a way that's a way to take it you can mm -hmm. also take it uh again we're spoiling things as they go along sure i mean uh, to me this is I mean, I'll, I'm just going to give you what I think the movie's about. The movie, to, the movie to me is about dementia. It's about a man with dementia. Okay. And this is this is all of his memory. So when she says these are the bones, these are the events that occurred. They're yeah. not happening in the order they occurred. Mm, yeah. They're happening randomly. They're going to be all around. But this is a man who has end stage dementia, who is now f- flashing all these memories together. But his parents, we learn, did also have. 
both of them. So obviously he has it too. If both his parents have it, odds are he's going to have it. It looks like he's got it. But like if both of his parents have dementia, it looks like they ended up with dementia. That would make sense where they just like have lambs die and leave them or not notice that these pigs had a horrible disease because mm. they just didn't notice because they were ill themselves. Mm. This is the farm being run by two sick people who are losing their memories and not remembering anything. Yeah. And so, and so, yes, yeah, so these sheep are still alive over here, but it doesn't, they could even be that the sheep that were looking down the ground, <laughs> it could be from a different time than the yeah, sheep yeah. that were sitting yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And he's making excuses, mm. I think, for it. Just like, yeah, and it happens because this is just what happens. It's a farm. Mm, yeah, maybe it's a farm. And maybe your parents had dementia and shouldn't have been running a farm at this point. But, you know, they were. That's interesting. I, I didn't really take it that that, that way. Because to, to me, I thought the man was, the janitor was contemporary to the story that's happening. That he's not, well, like, that he's not removed from that time period. That he's actually like, you know, that's why... That's why she is interacting or feeling his presence because he is, it's his memory of, of these things that he's kind of go, mulling through while he's, while he's working. I was taking it as he's merging many women together, which is why she goes by many names. Oh, they're no, I agree all, with you there. I agree yeah, with you there. They're, but they're, I, all, they're all blending. Yeah, yeah. All these things are going through. Sure. It starts with sure. her narrating. It ends with him narrating. Yeah. Um, it, it shifts to him being a little bit more together a little bit and getting to, and getting to you know, what he was going to do. Uh, but, yeah, this feels like a man who has dementia. These are his last moments. He's, his, basically, his life is flashing in front of his eyes hmm. as he slowly freezes to death. And we're we're along for the ride, seeing what those moments were, and playing and playing it out. And so, it's it's where we are. So, uh, uh, you know, it, do things make sense? Who knows? He's he's kind of forgiving himself for certain things. I think he's covering for certain things. He's trying to make his life make sense. And part of it, I think, is this is just what happens on a farm. It's fine, but no, that's a pretty big mistake <laughs> when your pigs are dying from, you know, maggots. Yeah. <laughs> Something was wrong, and maybe you're in denial about it. But yeah, that's just me. So uh, the janitor. Then we see the janitor walking down the hall, um, and then Jake and Lucy go inside the house, and we have a very kind of strange, strange scenes here where, the, yeah, we have this, uh, as you say, like uh, memory is obviously at play here because they go in the house, and then we have the scene where Jake is like calling and calling, kind of almost. I don't want to say frantically, but he's like, he seems very concerned to, to make sure that they know he's there. You know, he's like, hello, 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 I'm here. Hello, hello. And they finally answer from upstairs. So like, we'll be down. So, so then he, they have kind of an, an awkward wait for the parents. Um, Jake plays some music on a record player. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to that music playing in a hallway as the janitor is watching two, what looked like two kids who are in the Oklahoma play rehearsing some dance steps in the hallway. Uh, then we, and then uh, hitting the locker. Uh, that's right. Kicking the locker with, it, right? yeah. Cause they're, yeah, they're trying to do a dance sequence. That's too, too, too big for a hallway. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we cut back and they're still waiting for the parents. Um, do we see it, the dog at that point? Um, not quite yet because, okay. because um, first thing we get is, they're waiting. He thinks that they're coming. He interrupts her questions 
by saying, oh, I think my parents are coming down. And he goes to the stairs and he stands there and waits and they don't come down. So then he says, well, I'll, I'll light a fire. So then he goes and quickly light, very quickly lights a fire. And then they, he comes back again and they're kind of standing there. And then she's looking at this basement door, which is a very creepy door that has like tape. It's taped on what, where the, it op- on the one side where it opens, it has tape on it. And then it has all these, all these scratches in it. And she says, she goes, oh, what are these scratches from? And he says, oh, they're from our, from the do- our dog. And she's like, you have a dog? He's like, yeah. She goes, oh, normally when I go into a house, I can tell right away that people have a dog. There's toys, there's whatever. And he says, oh, my parents are very neat. And then she asks him some questions about the dog. And the dog's name is Jimmy. And he's a border collie. And then suddenly he's there. And she's petting him. And then, and then he does that weird thing where he shakes. And he doesn't stop shaking until the camera cuts <laughs> away. And, and that's immediately when the mother and parents come down at that moment. Come downstairs. And they're very overly friendly i guess kind of weirdly that kind of weird like nervous friendliness you know where there's a lot of laughter that's not really warranted mm-hmm. and then um uh the, yes as we were saying earlier the mom, mom's played by tony collette and the dad is played by david thewlis who it's interesting because tony collette you know as per usual hides her australian accent behind the, behind her american accent <laughs> and uh david thewlis is straight out plays a british guy whatever british dad which is fine i don't think there's anything wrong with that i, I always think it's weird when not always, but I often think it's strange when actors act in things and aren't just British. Because there's no reason that their character couldn't have just been a British person. And so they put on like a faintly convincing accent. And you're like, he could have just been British and no one would have blinked an eye. But anyway, okay. And then, uh, you know, further kind of confirming the sort of dreamlike element of this film, uh, food is mentioned. And immediately we see this overflowing table of food. And... Lucy's left by herself and everyone's sitting at the table waiting for her to come. And so she joins them at the table and it's just full of food. And of course we get a bit of a joke where the mom says, you know, all this food is from our farm. And then she looks at this big ham in the center of the table and kind of eyes it warily. And I kind of, I enjoyed that (laughs) as a little bit of thing. And then we get some awkward parent behavior where they ask Lucy what she does. And Lucy mentions that she's a painter which is new to us, of course, because we were introduced to her as a as a person studying medicine. But she, she also is a poet. But then she yeah becomes sort of a poet, and now she's a painter. And the dad, of course, uh, poo poos modern art as being something that anyone could do. Of course, the typical you know kind of uh, philist- yeah, philistine. Yeah, this all feels like every dinner everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, every 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 dinner. It's it's just yeah. Mom is trying too hard. Yeah, mom's trying and very dad hard. Dad is like you know. <laughs> He's a, he'll, he'll tell his politics I've got some strong opinions like, about it something that you do that I don't know anything about yeah and I don't know why we can't call these people blanks anymore <laughs> we used to call them that it wasn't hateful yeah. and now they won't and a man wants to be a woman and a woman wants to be a man and so, we but tell he, an embarrassing story about my kid we we yeah. don't we don't really get that here. We get the sort of microaggressions about what she is and what she does. So yep. first thing she says she's a painter. He puts down the idea of being a being a uh, a, 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 a sort of modern art abstract painter. So then she says, "Well, I paint landscapes," and oh, he's interested in that, but only interested in the sense that he would want to see a person in the landscapes, which is not what she does. She just does pure landscapes. Because you can't have a sad landscape without a sad person. In That's the right. He he cannot comprehend the idea of of emotions existing outside of humans. And so... And there's a line there, too, about, like, but if you look down, you could see yourself or something. And there's yeah. something about, like, 
you know, because you're not a ghost. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, now again, we're like hinting this could be a horror movie as well. It's like, <laughs> or are you a ghost? And frankly, he is. You know, uh, the the parents are long since gone and the reality that, you know, we're in. Yeah, daily. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we are seeing ghosts play out right now. The food, by the way, never gets eaten. Yes, they don't touch their food at all. Not at all. Um, uh, Lucy, I guess she looks at her phone when she when she wants to show the dad her paintings. And then we get an interesting thing where she looks at her phone and it's it's just chock-a-block of notifications of, of missed calls and I assume missed messages and things like that. And that kind of, yeah, further reinforces the idea of the horror movie where is someone trying to warn her about something? Is someone calling her to tell her something? Like people keep, you know what I mean? But that doesn't really pay off either because this isn't a horror movie. Uh, well, she, you can also take it if you go with the idea that this phone. Okay, I'll just throw you this theory out. Yeah, that the phone is because she is really the janitor as well. They're both the same person. You know, they are. They are. They are the same. When she's saying off the top, I'm thinking of ending it. He's thinking of ending it. When he's looking at the phone, and the phone is all these notifications. Um, if he is slowly dying in a uh, van. Uh, like, I don't know if he's that much of a loner that no one would check on him, but like, maybe he didn't come to school the next day or whatever. And people are calling him over and over and over again, but they're not going to, he's not going to answer because he's dying. Yeah. So his phone is ringing and he's not answering it Mm. because in reality he's freezing to death. Hmm. That's a theory. Um, so then, uh, yeah. So she's showing her, her paintings, so-called they're actually by a artist named Blake Locke, who is a landscape Uh painter. So they're using this guy's paintings as a way for as her paintings and she's showing them to the dad of course who is being very obtuse she notices the mum has this terrible toe infection which kind of makes her makes her gross grosses her out um then the mum asks is interested to know that she turns out uh she's no longer a painter she is studying quantum psychics asks the mum which the son finds of course jake finds embarrassing and quacks her as uh, quantum physics mum and then the mom wants to know the story of how they met. And then uh, Lucy starts talking about how they met at a trivia night. And she tells a sort of trivia night story, which is part of the sort of we'll learn is, is an ever-changing story of how they met. Right. Um, and, and I don't think... It's funny now that you took... I'm thinking of ending things as being, as being like a, a suicide or at least being like a giving up on life when I took it as her personal feeling of ending their relationship, not as a, as a ending of all things, but just I'm because there's a different thing saying I'm thinking of ending it and I'm thinking of ending things. There's two different idioms that work there. One is a reference to relationships and one is a relationship to life itself, I guess. Uh, how so? I can, I mean, I'm, I'm it, like someone who says I'm thinking of ending things that could yeah. definitely be like a way of saying Suicide. I'm thinking of ending things. I don't think it's used that way, but in modern modern communication, though, I think when someone says "I'm thinking of ending things," I mean I'm thinking of ending things with Fred. Well, we've got what we normally would say. We would say we got a movie who we got a movie where you know it's being basically narrated by a person who does kill themselves. Like they, they, yes, they're going through they're going through their life and then decide to kill themselves, or perhaps it's their disease that makes them do it. Who knows? Yeah, Uh, but. So you don't think that the opening line is reflective of what actually happens in the in the, the movie, like I, the, the the result, the end result. I think it, well, I because I think that her talking, I think the idea of the the girls in the film or the women in the film are are a kind of a composite of all kinds of different women that 
he could never connect with that he had these sort of failed relationships with and that so i think that's something that he thinks about that that's what they're always thinking was that they were thinking of ending things that they wanted to escape him you know and i think that's part of what he's thinking about i don't think he's relating it to himself so much as the relationships he had with women and okay. so we get that sequence later on in the film where we see lucy in that in that uh, kind of cycle where she goes she goes to the same set of stairs five times uh thinking about ending things with Jake. She's not talking about ending things for herself. She's talking about, I'm thinking about ending things with Jake. And she says that over and over again, that it's the relationship that she feels like they're not connecting, you know? And so I kind of, I have a hard time taking that that's very specifically related to her relationship with Jake and then making it into something that feels like it's from a different part of the story. Well, the five, okay, there's, was it five times on the stairs? that she Yeah, repeats? yeah. Because she's, yeah, they call I, her four I, different names. So, you know, it could be she's four different people. I just can't, I, yeah, I mean, I think she is him. So I think this I, is Well, all, I don't, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think of Everything it, in this to me yeah. from the very beginning. I think from the very beginning, the first line, yeah. we're watching a movie that's a suicide note. And that's the first line in the suicide note is, I'm thinking of ending things. That's the first line in your suicide note. And everything from that point on. Yeah. You know, goes on to you know uh, be random. Uh, aside from you know, up to the point where it goes, this is these are the bones. I'm remembering the bones. Yeah. Uh, everything at that point is just like the memories all compounding on each other, and everything. You know, the regrets that this person has in their life, and and, and everything from that point on to the to the end where they're at, you know, quote unquote peace or what <laughs> what have you. I just I disagree with that, but. I think that's, I mean, I can't see it as anything aside from that. If you interpret it differently, that's absolutely fine. But I can't see it as anything but a suicide note. All right. Yeah. So uh, then we have, we have one of the, one of the, this happens a few times in the film where Lucy suddenly finds herself alone at the table mm-hmm. and everyone is gone. So she's just sort of drinking a glass of wine, you know, sort of finishing off her wine and, and everyone is gone from the table. And then we cut to the janitor sitting uh, having his lunch in the school, watching a home like a Hallmark style movie on a kind of big flat screen TV that's in this classroom, and it's a you know it's kind of the conclusion of the film where the waitress played by Colby Minifee, who uh, fans of the boys will know as Ashley from that that TV show, uh, she's playing a waitress who is you know talking with a customer and he's asking what she would recommend and she's gonna she's recommending the Santa Fe burger. And then her boyfriend comes in and embarrasses her by telling everyone that she's a vegan and that she's working in this restaurant to get her uh, become an animal rights lawyer and what a brave person she is and makes a big fuss and she, she kicks him out of the restaurant because he's you know, embar- you know, embarrassing her and embarrassing her at work. She gets fired by her, jo- by her boss. And so then both of them are sitting outside on the sidewalk and she calls him an idiot for getting her fired. And then she says, you know, did you really mean that you love me? And he says, yes, I, you know, stuff like that. And she's, you know, then she says something like, I love you, you idiot. And then that's the end of the movie. And then, of course, it says directed by Robert Zemeckis and some other names. Yeah, it's and, pretty great. And then you're, you're like, ah, oh, okay. So that's like the kind of this, the kind of like the ne plus ultra of like Hollywood hack, uh, you know, kind of romantic, you know, and this movie is like that. This movie is like, you know, Robert Zemeckis is kind of like that director that, Everyone has seen a movie by Robert Zemeckis. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's Forrest Gump or Back to the Future or whatever. You know, these are movies that that kind of speak to 
they speak in the the lowest kind of common denominator way to to the biggest mass of people you know and they're comforting they're the yeah, other comfort food they're they've shaped how we see ourselves but they're they're basically a lie that we want to tell ourselves too right well like, especially if you're an older fella yeah and life hasn't worked out for you mm-hmm. they really do i would say come across as a as, as a, a lie to you unless it's a comfort to you in which case you know just like you like being wrapped up in the fiction this is a fella who really likes musicals yeah and musicals are not a million miles away from a Robert Zemeckis movie. Yeah, you know they are. They do typically have a happy ending, uh, even if there's usually something dark in there. So this is someone who, you know, has a love for this, you know, br- these broad, you know, uh, melodrama, and uh, that is kind of what this, what a, a Zemeckis film is as well. It's very, very broad. You know, so I could see him enjoying a Zemeckis film if he is a fan of musicals and that kind of stuff as well, even though he presents himself yeah. as an intellectual or the, sees himself as an intellectual. The reason I bring up that element is because earlier in the film, they were talking about how movies poison us. You know, they create mm. they create a false narrative of, of existence kind of and sort of attach themselves to us like like rabies attaches itself to our ganglia, to our, okay. ner- to our nerves, right? And so, and so I think to... I think Charlie Kaufman is kind of using Zemeckis as sort of the, the you know, that kind of like, you know, like the the most of that sort of director, you know, he, he you know, he makes films that are the most sort of, you know, Hollywood pablum that, you know, we can all eat and but never taste, you know, very much, you know, it's just, it, they're just sort of there for us. And, you know, and I think like a film like Forrest Gump, for instance, is a very much a sort of re as a very nostalgic film and kind of recasts the history of history of the United States of, of the boomer generation in a very benign and very, very kind of light way that kind of, that sort of hides a lot of the darkness. The only real darkness in the film are like the hippies or the darkness in that movie, you know, rather than, rather than being like people who are like fighting for, for social justice and trying to end a, a, a terrible war and stuff like that, they become like these sort of monsters of, of ego and, and, and narcissism, you know, and, and so drug addiction and AIDS and all that stuff, all kind of visited on, on uh, the female character in that film uh, who, you know, is sort of the victim of all this sort of sixties, uh, you know, uh, freedoms and stuff like that, you know, whether it's sexual freedom leading to AIDS or, or, you know, using drugs leading to drug addiction, blah, blah, blah. So all that kind of, you know, that's the negative of the film, but that's, that's, those are all the negatives of like the Reagan generation, you know, like that's like the conservative world we live in now that that's their view of the sixties, you know, like, you know, the Vietnam war was a just war and, you know, and then, you know, the, the, the people who are wrong were the hippies, you know, and look what they look at all the things they brought on us, you know, and so that film really kind of, really kind of reshapes the the the, the narrative of the, the history of the the sixties, seventies, and eighties into this into this sort of conservative uh, conservative narrative, right? And do you so think I, he's so? Really, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, say that. You can say. I was, I was going to go. Do you think that he's really watching a movie, or is this part of uh, the fantasy world that he's in uh, right now? Because the movie doesn't exist in real life. This is a this is a made up movie that's made up for this. Um, for, for 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 this film, uh, do you think uh, do you think this is just something that's playing in his head as well? I think you... no. I think it was. I think it's meant as a real film. I think that I just think it's just a case of you know like we need a movie. Let's just make a pretend movie rather than pay to. We can quickly make a, a movie that's like one of those movies and be kind of humorous about it and not have to pay 
big money to have an actual one of these movies in the in our movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if we're going if we're going like one extra step yeah. in this, um, you know, he makes a big fuss out of, you know, here's what it's like on a farm. Life on a farm is tough. Yeah. It's this and this and this and how dare you judge a life on a farm. <laughs> then then we have like the meal and the meal is all basically meat. It's meat, yeah. meat, 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 meat. Oh, and then the scene there was some corn. That's a, that's a fair point, which you probably would feed to the pigs anyway. So you got it hanging around. <laughs> um, but you've got in this scene, a person uh, saying, saying about her, like she's a vegetarian and that's a good thing that she's a vegetarian. She's yeah. vegetarian. And it feels like if you are, if this is a make them up and he's playing another like mistakes in his head, yeah. maybe he had like a vegetarian uh, girl at some point. That you know he did not stand up for, and he should have said these things. And I'm proud of you. And it's great that you're this. And you know you're an idiot, and I love you. Like it feels <laughs> like all, all these things he's playing are regrets that he's uh, that he's had. You know, in his life, he's playing those over and over. So yeah. if it was a fictional movie, then it could have been uh, a reflection on a on a relationship that uh, that he had had himself, or it could just be in the reality we're in. There, Robert Zemeckis made this. Film. Yeah, I think that's kind of what he's going for, and and I, you know because. Like, I think there's like they're later in the film when he's talking about the Santa Fe burger, uh, he, you know, that's related to that film, you know. And so I don't I don't think it's something he made up. I think it's I think he's, you know, drawing from that film as like an experience that's true rather than just a, a fiction on the screen. OK. You know, and then um, the same way when the janitor is watching Oklahoma on the stage at a, at the school, he's thinking about this Lucy and he's bringing the music for Oklahoma into his fantasy and is playing on the radio, you know? So there's a connection there where, you know, they're talking about Oklahoma in the car and then you see the janitor is witnessing Oklahoma being rehearsed, you know, so it's influencing his reminiscences or, or his thoughts, you know, that he's, that he's the thing that he's thinking about, you know, that he's kind of mulling over in his life, whether it's lost opportunities or failed relationships. Um, so, yeah. So then we get, Lucy, oh, well, the mom is talking to to Jake and you know saying how smart he was and whatever, and he's saying, well, I didn't really get any any recognition in school, and she's talking about him getting the diligence pin, and he's like, well, that just means that you tried hard. It doesn't mean that you succeeded, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's a more regret. Although we'll notice later that he's wearing his diligence pin. Uh, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, okay. like in the in the house when he's upstairs in the bedroom sequences, he's wearing a diligence pin. So, um, but Lucy clears the table herself, which is kind of strange. And then she's standing with the, with the tea towel draped over her arm as if she's a waitress mm-hmm. and ready to take orders from people. And that's that's very strange. And then we learn that we learn that she is a waitress that because she has he has to get her back in the morning because she has a shift at the restaurant she works at. So once again, we get a weird kind of shift in in what her occupation is or who she is, and also her clothes changed as well. So. We before we had her in a in a orange striped sweater. Now she's in a dark uh, blouse with with a white flower pattern on it. And so we we not only get a change in who she is, but also a change in her clothing. And I believe at this point he refers to her as Luc- Luc- Lucia at some point at this part of the movie. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, he's got uh, Lucy, uh, uh, Luisa, Lucia, and uh, Amos. Yeah, Ames, who is probably like Amy. Ames. Yeah, yeah. Like a sounds like a nickname for Amy to me, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So after dinner, Jake and Lucy talk in the living room. And 
One interesting thing is Lucy is now, or Lucia is now wearing pearls around her neck, which she wasn't wearing before. Um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention is when they come in the house, I wrote this down, I somehow skipped it. When they come in the house, Jake uh, offers her slippers to wear because he says it's a very, co- it's an old farmhouse and it's very cold. And so he offers her these blue slippers. And at first she refuses and he's like, no, no, you wear them. And so she gives them to her so that her feet will stay warm. Right, and they're his size, yet they fit her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they're the same person. <laughs> well, it could be that, or just slippers are slippers, uh, you know. you could Anyone could wear a pair of slippers, really. Um, Elle looks... So then Lucy is looking at uh, the family photos on the wall, and she looks at one, and it's a picture of herself. And here's where your theory, I think, most could most come in, that the sense that they're the same person, which is that when they look again, it's actually a picture of Jake. Yep. And so there's... Yeah. Um, now, do you think he dated women or do you think he never had the nerve? Like, I'm just wondering how far these things, his relationships went. I do think he dated them. I think that when Lucy is talking about how hard it's, how hard it is to say no. And sometimes it's easier to say yes. And then a yes becomes more yeses. I feel like that's the sort of relationships that he had where he didn't, uh, he didn't meet the girl at the, at the trivia because that didn't happen. Yeah, he he didn't have the nerve there, which is probably his big regret. Mm-hmm. It's like if only I'd met her, yeah. things would have uh, really changed. She would have got me mm. in a way that, and she would have been smart enough for me. Yeah, would have yeah. got me in a way that the other girls said. This is my little confusion with the Zemeckis film is because he clearly dated a waitress mm-hmm. because yeah. she's got the thing over her arm. Yeah, and so that's where I'm thinking like, well, he did something in that relationship that he shouldn't have done. Or he missed doing something that he should have done. Yeah. And the person in the movie, the Zemeckis movie, did the right thing, even though uh, she still thought he was an idiot. It's possible. Yeah. Or he just he just wasn't that interesting a person. You know, like his 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 dream of himself as a as a person who knows, you know, has like what how rabies works in one part of the film. He kind of adds to her when she says she's writing a paper about about rabies and mentions how you know it attaches to ganglia and he 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 adds another point to that you know another point of knowledge and she's right. like oh that's right you know so you know because we, he knows trivia that's right he's he, not necessarily intelligent he knows trivia. <laughs> that's that there you go yeah i know and but obviously his thought of himself as as this knowledgeable person who's going to university or college and who's studying and meeting this woman and blah 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 is not necessarily true or if it was true then it you know, in some way it didn't amount to anything because now he's a janitor in a school. And so there's, there's some sort of, 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 I don't want to say failure, but there's a, there's a, it's because someone went to university and now works in a warehouse. I don't want to call that a failure. Let's just say that there were some missteps that led to where I am now. And maybe for him, there is the same thing that, uh, you know, where his plans didn't, didn't, go the way he he thought they that they, they would well the woman in yeah the woman in the zemeckis film which is the ideal yeah still ca- calls the guy an idiot yes which yes. makes me feel that his girlfriend called him an idiot that's possible and he, th- and he thinks that but i love you you idiot yeah whereas in reality it wasn't i love you you idiot mm-hmm. it's you're an idiot yeah, and, and like the time that he gets the most upset yeah through through all this is when someone mispronounces something when someone gets something slightly wrong, he gets furious at it and yeah. has to correct them immediately. Yeah. Because this is where you're called out for being an idiot. If you if you if you say a word wrong, uh, Leviathan, but you say it Leviathan because you've never <laughs> only read it, and then someone goes, uh, "I think you mean Leviathan." Now they've taken you down 
all the all the notches. And yeah. if you want to think of yourself as a smart person, that's embarrassing. If your mom mispronounces a thing, that's embarrassing. You've, you don't be stupid. This is the thing. People call you an idiot. People look down on you. This is this what frustrates him more than anything. And there are the times that he only honestly gets mad in this. Yeah. It's when someone mispronounces something or gets a fact wrong. Yeah. So that's, that's his big fear is he's scared of being an idiot. And it looks like if my theory is correct, that um, <laughs> that he has dementia. Mm. This is part of the, the thing that happens with dementia is you start getting things a little wrong and a little wrong and a little wrong. And that's where you know, oh, now you've seen your parents go through all this, even worse. You know, you've seen your mom mispronounce things. And now it's like, oh, this is the start of all the bad things in your life. But, but yeah, that's just my, that's just my little theory. <laughs> your theory. Mm-hmm. Film theory. Uh, so- this is the thing we, we kind of get into sometimes in these uh, in these in our discussions of movies. Is I will come up with a theory for something, and you will say, "I just prefer to watch the movie." I like watching the plot play out. But then when you get a movie like this, where it's a adventure, yeah, you know, kind of thing, then you can't, and you gotta like well, make some guesses. Sure, you know, assemble it yourself. It's I an agree. IKEA movie, <laughs> and I call it lignum. Um, <laughs> So, so Jake's mum uh, talks about suffering from tinnitus, which she describes as hearing as whispers, mm-hmm. and which is not tinnitus. No, which is that. usually is a ringing. Yeah, that it sounds like she's describing schizophrenia. Ah, okay. Hmm. If she's hearing voices, if she's hearing yeah. whispers, yeah, that's that's schizophrenia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lucy then receives another phone call from her friend Yvonne, apparently, and. Uh, Everyone insists that she take the call, and so she listens to her voicemail. And instead of being Yvonne, it's a voice of a man who's uttering what sounds like nonsense in the phone. The man, the voice being played by Oliver Platt. Yeah, what is he saying? Do you remember? I don't remember. I'm sorry. To me, it okay. just seemed like nonsense, and I okay, all right. I guess I could have stopped to uh, write it down. But you know what? That's all right. I wrote a book trying to keep notes in this film, so uh, there's some scenes where I just went good enough. Uttering nonsense. That's close enough to what I heard there. Uh, oh, sorry. This this is the point where Lucy becomes Lucia. And we learn that she is studying gerontology. And so she talks about how she feels, how terrible society is in the way it casts aside old people. Once again, reflecting the fact that this is the thoughts of an old man who's working as a janitor. Obviously feels cast, cast aside in this world. And so, yeah, we don't really know his history, do we? Like, it's it's... We do know that he's sitting in a house, he's eating breakfast, and he's looking out the window, and in the backyard of his house is a is a broken um, swing set. And that kind of tells his own sad story as well. And I'm going to interrupt you and tell you what the uh, voice on the phone says. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, the voice on the phone uh, says, there's only one question to resolve. I'm scared. I feel a little crazy. I'm not lucid. Hmm. And, it's, and that's more than likely the voice of the, the janitor saying that. Yet not played by the janitor, played by a totally yeah. different person. So that's curious. Yeah. And people, people's uh, theory on that are these are the older Jake's uh, suicidal thoughts intruding on the fantasy. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's, po- that's very much a possibility. Sometimes we can't control where our thoughts take us. Yeah. They're trying to deny it, put it on hold, listen to it later. Like, no, you should listen to it. Okay. Even though she's now being called Lucia, or what's called referred to as Lucia, I'm still going to keep calling her Lucy. This makes it sure. easier to keep track of what's going on. So Lucy goes to the window to look outside, and it's still snowing. It's snowing on the car, but what's interesting just is... just the car. 
just the car yeah the grass is green and the car this has snow going on it which is a very david lynch moment i like that moment Mm -hmm. suddenly the room is empty there's no one in the room so she's very concerned she she goes she calls upstairs looking for you know uh, calls upstairs for jake and we jake calls down to her so she goes upstairs looking for him and she finds a room and on the on the door is is thumbtacked a sign that says jake's childhood bedroom which might as well say Jake's childhood memories because she goes inside and it's basically everything that we have seen so far in the film. We there's an urn that has Jimmy's ashes in it, the dog's ashes in it. Mm-hmm. We see the uh, the complete Wordsworth on the shelf. We see the, some of the films that have been talked about in in it. We see a Pauline Kael book on the shelf that will come in later on. We find uh, a book called. Um, it's called uh, Rotten Perfect Mouth, which is a book by an author named Eva H.D. And this is the book that contains the poem Bone Dog that Lucy had recited earlier as her own poem. The book is the poem is actually from an actual book, and the po- poet is actually named Eva H.D. Um, it's while she's looking at this book that um, Jake's father comes into the room and disturbs her, scares her a little bit by putting his hand on her shoulder. And we now see that he has aged quite a bit, and he has suffering from dementia and that is a reason there is a sign on the door so that he remembers what this room is and he kind of uncomfortably invites her to stay talking about how he doesn't mind if they fuck but pointing out that the bed would be very uncomfortable because it is a single bed for a child it would be very uncomfortable for two adults to fuck in that bed it's it's a very uncomfortable conversation the sort of thing you might have with a person who has dementia as well where they yeah. no longer have uh you know control of social constraints are kind of been taken off the brain. And, and he says that, yeah, he says that they've labeled everything because it's hard to remember things. Mm-hmm. But Jake also has done that with his books. Like there's, there's labels that are uh, like that uh, kind of device you use to press and make labels. Well, I don't think they're books. I think they're, they're tapes. Okay. There's tapes. Because yeah. it, they're, they're like, they're laced like embarrassing mishaps is one of them. Yes. And these are, these are of course, yeah, you're right. These are his memories. Yeah. yeah. These are things that he will play. Uh, but yeah, they're they're labeled. It looks like the old timey kind of yes, like know, a, thing yeah, that, the letter maker little the letter maker thing. Yeah, that's le- right, letter punch kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, by the way, with the dog thing, I was just looking up that head shaking because mm-hmm. I was going like, is there any way that like the head shaking could be tied in with rabies? I know, of course, it's not a typical thing, but one of the causes of uh, dogs shaking their heads yeah. is um, I, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but it's uh, dis dyskinesia. Uh, that originates in the basal ganglia of the brain, which uh, was brought up earlier. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like that could be a connection between. What sure, he's that could about be. A, that, maybe that could be something that that because doesn't he mention later on that that uh, I thought rape the they mentioned later that someone something had to be killed because of rabies or something like that. And he that could be. Yeah, it could be. That's his dog that was yeah. that could have had him been killed because of rabies. Yeah. And so it's the head shaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In another room, Jake is spoon feeding his mom who's now very very old as well and it's this point that you see that jay is wearing his diligence pin on his jacket yeah we then cut to the janitor throwing some bags some garbage bags into a into a bin and then we go back we go to the scene of 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 lucy descending the stairs which as i said she does five times all the while mulling leaving jake while she does this yeah the connection i made there was as your as your parents get older you do eventually have to get rid of their stuff Oh, and the bags? So yeah, the bags. That's where he's that? like throwing the bags. Yeah, because, yeah. You know, he had to do that with his parents' stuff as well. And the times that I, I was thinking that Lucy ends up alone, Jake does end up alone. 
like he looks after his parents in, in the house and then he's occasionally, you know, when, when they're gone, he is alone in that mm-hmm. house. So, you know, and then flashes back to an, a past memory, but there was times when he was just alone in that house. To give, to give you another theory, which I don't necessarily subscribe to, but earlier in the film, when Lucy, as Lucia, is talking as a, about her interest as a geront, studying gerontology, that she feels that society throws out its old people, we could be seeing Jake's idea of his diligence in feeding his mom and dad. The reality is, is that he threw them away like garbage. That could also be, yeah. That could be a regret that he's trying to play it. His own head is doing the right thing, Yeah. Yeah. Then we find Jake downstairs, is now with his even older father, his dad is really old. He's holding a nightgown that has vomit on it, and he gives it to Lucy. And this is where we learn that Lucy is has to get home because she is a waitress who has a, has a uh, shift in the morning. And she's holding the nightshirt, and she finds uh, Jake's mum in the, in the living room. And Jake's mum is now a young woman sort of a young mum who's yeah. doing her chores and she tells Lucy that she needs to take that and put it downstairs into the laundry in the basement. And so, of course, Lucy thinks the basement is creepy, has been told it's creepy by Jake and is a little unwilling to go down and the mum gets mad at her and kind of snaps at her and tells her to go do this. So uh, Lucy goes down into the basement and actually the basement is not that creepy at all, actually. She just goes down and it feels like a fairly normal basement. Uh, she, um, as she goes down the, the steps, so Jake is talking, talking to her from the top of the stairs where snow is falling and he's saying something to her. And I'm sorry, I don't know what he's saying. Cause he's saying very quietly, very lightly to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's speaking to her and she doesn't quite know what she's, he's, she's, he's saying. She puts the, she goes to the laundry machine and she goes to put the nightshirt in it, but then she pulls out the clothes that are washing in the machine and they are all the uniform that the janitor wears. They all right. say RHS for the high school where he where he is a janitor at. And she then goes to another room and she finds Jake's paintings, which are kind of all imitations of Blakelock, the landscape painter. They're kind of poor imitations of his paintings. They're all kind of stacked up on the floor with some actual, uh, you know, posters on the wall for, for Blakelock exhibits. So we can see what he's, you know, basing his paintings on. But we can also see that they're not as good as as. Uh... What's strange though is that Lucy finds her glasses in this room, in the basement. So she puts them on. The phone rings, and once again the man speaks. So let's assume once again that it's it's um, the janitor's suicide, or old Jake's suicidal suicidal thoughts. You know, sort of in it, kind of um, piercing this this uh, this fantasy world or this this memory yeah. world that he's creating. Because this is where he keeps his greatest shame is the basement. Mm. You know, he wanted to be an artist. He couldn't be an artist. He ended up a janitor. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be a janitor. It's like, this is the, he, he's in denial of what's in the basement. So yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. 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 So, um, uh, Jake is, she goes upstairs and she finds Jake with his mom. She's laying in bed and she is clearly dead, but he insists that she is sleeping. Uh, at this point, his dad comes in. Now his dad is, is young the way that his mom was young when, when Lucy met her in the living room and he comes in and he's all very busy. He gives a very awkward hug to Lucy saying goodbye to her. And then we immediately cut to Jake putting chains on the tires of the car. And then we do another quick cut to them driving. And so we very quickly leave the house behind his memory pushes him quickly to the, to them driving again. And uh, they begin to discuss, I guess they're discussing her drinking 
And she kind of humorously says, a woman under the influence. And he mentions that he likes the film. And she poo-poos it. And she begins to smoke. And then she begins to quote extensively from Pauline Kael. Mm-hmm. Pauline Kael's review of A Woman Under the Influence, which wasn't a very flattering review of the film. And we now discover that uh, Lucy is writing an essay about this movie. And she then, as I say, but her the essay that she's writing is uh, the Pauline Kael review of the film. Uh, Jay, or Jake wants to stop at Tulsi Town, which is essentially a kind of a downmarket Dairy Queen, I guess. Yeah. He wants to go there to get a treat. Um in the uh, in the book, it is a Dairy Queen. So they changed they changed it to in the movie to a, to uh, Tulsi Town. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. The um they also have a thing where they're talking about how um, Lucy starts going through. She starts talking about how in our culture, and this is sort of a post post Freudian reading of relationships. How often mothers are to blame in various pathologies, real or unreal. So she brings up. Uh, say homosexuality which at one time was considered a pathology and one of those and one of the symptoms of it was or one of the causes of it was a mother coddling a child so a mother a mother you know uh like a mama's boy is it would be a reading of like a kind of a of a a uh, what would you call it a cultural reading of that of that idea you know and we got two we got two things with jake as well uh like earlier on um she uses the word sissy and and he I think uh, corrects her on that and says it wasn't it would that be not an appropriate word to use. That's right. And, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then here there's something else as well. We're like, but we're not saying that homosexuality would be a pathology now. It's like no, it was in the past. It's like okay, so twice he it it's very rare that there's something that he so objects to, mm, but he yeah. objects to it like really hits it twice of just like. But there's nothing wrong with being gay. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he's saying he's saying this twice, and it's like, okay, so yeah. So he's let's just let's just unpack that for just a little bit and play <laughs> this out. Yeah, where um, he is a he is a young man who lives on a farm uh, in a small town. I'm assuming it's a small town, and he loves musicals. Yeah, loves them. <laughs> Doesn't uh, never able to really get a relationship together. Yeah, likes a lot of trivia. And burying himself in books and this kind of thing and poems. Oh, poetry, yeah. Poetry. And poetry and kale reviews <laughs> of movies like A Woman Under the Influence to the point where he has memorized this review to the point where he can recite it in his head. Yeah. Because this is what he's doing. Yeah. So there's a really good possibility to me that he's gay and was never able to, you know, uh, be openly be openly gay. Mm. And and so that you know shows you a little bit of why these relationships you know uh, have failed. But it's just like it's something that he's hit really hard twice mm-hmm. here. And then yeah, knowing you know ten musicals off the top of your head, okay, all right, there's something okay. That doesn't necessarily mean you're gay, but uh, in a movie, doesn't doesn't not mean you're gay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's an, that's an interesting point. Also, he really likes rom-coms. <laughs> well, you know, I used to read Pauline Kael quite a bit. I don't like rom-coms a lot, but I... Okay. I don't know what you're trying to tell me here. I don't know. We cut to uh, some kids walking in the school hallway. It's kind of like class between classes, let's say. Uh, the janitor is watching. Well, the janitor is there. We don't quite see him. He's, he's the one watching these kids. As he comes into view, we see kind of his head. There's one, one young girl is lagging behind the others, and she sort of smiles slightly at the janitor. Mm-hmm. We then cut to Jake. And two other girls, 
two other girls are give them a, give them a kind of disgusted. Yeah, look. yeah. Well, we'll see them soon, won't we? We will see all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we then cut to them arriving at Tulsi Town, and it's at this point that Jake begins to behave. Not at this point, but Jake begins to behave oddly here. He is. He is. Um. He tells. He tells uh, Lucy that he's had some run-ins with the girls at this at this Tulsi town, and they don't like him. And so yeah. he wants her to look and see if they're there, because he doesn't want to order. He they won't come if he if they're there. Yeah, feels like he might have been a creep to them or something. Sure, or something odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then, uh, two two girls that we saw walking in the hallway, two these two blonde-haired girls, very protective girls, come to the windows and to take the order. And so Lucy orders uh, two Oreo burrs as a name for what essentially are blizzards because yes. this would have been the equivalent of Dairy, Dairy Queen. So blizzards become burrs, which I think is a very strange, I guess it was just sort of a funny, rather than a, a good name, it's a sort of funny name. Um, as you said, there's no comedy in this, but yet they call these these things burrs. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. now, the first two girls who come to the window turn out to be kind of useless. They just walk off to the side and do not fulfill the order they've given instead another girl comes from the back and now and she's kind of strange we've seen her she was the girl lagging in the hallway but her arms are all rashy Mm -hmm. and i'm not too sure what that is indicative of or what that means for us but probably probably psoriasis she's probably an outsider probably got someone who has psoriasis yeah Yeah. like you're reading very personal reading are you the janitor again are you telling me you're the janitor in this movie wait a second I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking like if it's the winter time and you've got rashes, mm. uh, it's not from something like, you know, you're not getting it from poison ivy. You're not going to get it from an allergy to the pollen or something along those lines. Yeah, that's that, more than likely that's eczema or that's a, that's a psoriasis that's going on. Yeah. And if you've got uh, major amounts of psoriasis, then the popular kids might make fun of you. They might be might be jerks sure. uh, to you because these seem like bully girls, or maybe they're not. Who knows? You know, uh, maybe maybe he's a creep, or maybe they're just jerks. And uh, and and this is uh, an outsider, and he can kind of relate to being an outsider. Yeah. And so they have a little bit of a bond, you know, there. But she's not she's not bonding with him. She's bonding with Lucy. Who is him? The, well, sort of. Uh, she is a composite of girls that he knew or the p- people that he's known in his life. I don't think that she's necessarily him, but anyway, uh, okay. she, she, uh, she is she talking. Was, she was in the photo. Yeah. And, well, you know, you got me there. The, uh, uh, they're talking and, and then the, the girl is of course getting these blizzard things, uh, using the ice cream machine and whatnot. And she's talking and she's talking in a very weird way. She's talking about how, it's a fucking blizzard out there or it's a fucking snowstorm out there or whatever. And she's, she keeps using fucking and it seems very inappropriate and, and too, too much for this, for this very simple conversation. And then she gets very conspiratorial with, with Lucy and tells her that she's worried about her. She's worried for her safety. Yeah. And that's very interesting as well. If you take that as she is him, Mm. then she's right to feel that way. Let me run this scenario by you. Okay. I'm I'm going with the idea that he's gay. Okay. What if we go with the idea that he's trans? And the picture that when when you look at the picture and sees himself as a girl, but he's also but then looks the second time and he's a boy. Yeah. He's basically the wrong he's basically the wrong sex. And so he's seeing himself through Lucy, you know, as in a way like you can see him as these are girls that he uh, was uh, attracted to 
and it's a big mix them up there. But it could also, I do, I do go with the idea that she does represent him as well. Um, and if so, maybe that's part of who he is. I guess I don't know. I feel like the movie is it takes a lot of does a lot of things where there's a romantic element implied or at least attempted to establish that these are girls what that do you he's think known. The photo is what do you think that photo moment is? Because that photo moment is so important that they put it in the trailer. That's like a real big moment of like, look, that's well, you. He didn't. Me. He didn't necessarily put it in the trailer, but okay. I think it's a moment right, where let's not, let's not do that. Yeah, I think let's, they're let's trying go. to. I think the trailer people are trying to make the movie more interesting than it possibly well, okay. is. All right, well, by creating like a sense of oh, spooky. Okay, but that's that's irrelevant because he's he's the director. So he, this was a scene yeah. that he put in the movie. Yep. That is a that is like a scene that gets some attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we see we see the picture for a second. Yep. And it's her. Yep. We look a second time. Yep. It's him. What do you think that means in this in this world? Because that would not be her being someone he was attracted to or a girl yeah. that he dated. Yeah. That's saying she's him. I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't think that it doesn't have to be that strong. I mean, it, it could just be showing the connection that she is not a real person, that she is just a construct of his memories. And so, you know, she doesn't, she's not necessarily real or, or not real, that she's just, you know, like, but it just shows that connection to him that we, we aren't supposed to be taking this literally, that we are, we are in the mind of Jake, the janitor. You know, I, I don't, but I don't think we have to read it as that, that she is him because there's, you know, it's obvious that he has not been a waitress. He has not, he was not a, he was not a, uh, you know, he didn't do research into rabies or, or you know what I mean? Like he no, is, this is all he's giving all these kind of characteristics to these different This is characters. all stuff he knows though. He yeah. does know everything that she says. Sure. This is a, just a but very he's, specific He's theme. also known a Lucy a Lucia, uh-huh. a Louisa, and an, and an Amy. Okay, well, going you know? with the idea that, okay, like if we're going with, with my idea that... that Why am I that going with Lu- it? Well, let's go with it for a second. <laughs> okay. Because, because why not? Sure. Uh, so if we're going with the idea that in the picture, yeah. uh, it's her, but then it turns out to be him. That yeah. to me really feels like they're they're the same person. That like is so on the nose. I don't know any other way around it. Mm. But let's go with let's go with what just happened in the movie that we were just talking about. Yeah. The uh, the girl with the rashes. Yeah. Um, says to her that she's worried about about her. Yeah. Worried about her. Yeah. How would that make any sense unless the the unless Lucy was the janitor? Because the only person right now that we know from seeing the movie. Yeah. That's in any danger. Yeah. Is the janitor. The janitor is in danger because the janitor is going to take their own life. Yeah. So she's saying this to Lucy. Mm-hmm. How how could Lucy not be the janitor then? Because she's in no danger otherwise. The line makes no sense. No, yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I don't. I mean, I mean, yeah, you could be right. I I don't know. I just feel like that's a that's a real a real step. A real step. The the, the film is going to have a, a cartoon pig. Soon. So <laughs> well, the cartoon pig is just part of the hallucinations of something that is like hypothermia. So, okay, you know, there's a reason he's taking off his clothes later in the film, and that's yeah. that's the final stage of hypothermia, right? Because you know, we got to get that R rating. It's sexy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against older people taking off their clothes. It's fine. Um, okay, let's keep going. And get some burrs. Yeah, they get some burrs, and then uh, they're so they're driving along. Of course. When, as when you, most people do these sort of things, you, as soon as you get this 
thing that you were thinking about getting, and then you're like, ooh, this is not quite what I was remembering in my mind. It's being well, you great. can only drink so much of it. Like a big <laughs> drink like that. They're way too big. Yeah, yeah. Like They're insanely yeah, and, big. I was thinking and then of, the reality of what you know you just had a big meal you didn't eat anything yeah but like you just you know you're in the you're in the car yeah uh it, i was thinking to myself do dairy queen have that biggest servings of blizzards in the states that's insane oh, so, <laughs> well the other thing you gotta think about is yeah uh, in this reality since yeah. the janitor would you say the janitor's in his 60s well, yeah, I mean, he's pre-retirement age, I would assume. He's like 60, 70, something like yeah, that? Yeah, he's in his, yes, yeah. Okay, then that means if this is taking place now, and he's remembering, you know, I think he, I think he's probably, oh, what's going on? Is, it, is he remembering this now, or is this like his old memories of, no, nah, it is ha- happening now. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think you can get a big blizzard. <laughs> I think, well, I'd be shocked if you couldn't get a giant blizzard in, uh, in, in, in the States. Well, the interesting thing about his his memories is that there's no real set time to them, you know? Like, you don't get any... I mean, the car is old that Jake is driving, but the girl has a cell phone. Lucy mm. has a cell phone. We never see Jake with a cell phone. We don't see the janitor with a cell phone, but we see Lucy That's with right. a cell phone. So, you know, like, we don't... So we don't see him as connected the way that she is connected to, to new technology. So it's a, it's a weird sort of, um, you know, mishmash of time periods as well. Yeah. So um, now, as I say, they find the the burrs. They're delicious Oreo burrs. Are a bit too much. So yeah, it's also weird to be having this in the blizzard. <laughs> but very thematic. If you think it was Dairy Queen before, and they're yeah, they're, yeah, eating, yeah, yeah. they're eating a blizzard in a blizzard. Is though also if you go with the idea that he is slowly dying of hypothermia. Yeah, yeah. While this is going on, the idea that he's having something cold. Yes, does make sense as well. Sure. And it this this uh, song that comes up soon will also make sense. So then, um, so Jake over Lucy's objections because she's a long established throughout this film that she needs to get back home. He insists on turning down a side street to go to his old high school to throw away these burrs because he doesn't want them melting and dripping down into his cup holders, which is an understandable concern. But you know, you could just dump them out the window. But anyway, that's... Yeah, that's something. Yeah, but he doesn't do that because he's a janitor. Yeah. He's... Yeah, he wants to go. And also, he's a janitor at the high school, so that's naturally where his bots are taking him. And in the parking lot, they have an argument over the song Baby It's Cold Outside, which, um, you know, if he is dying of hypothermia, it is cold outside. But also, you know, so she has, like, the kind of classic modern objection to this song. And he argues as a much older man that this song is from 1936 and that's, you know, clearly not what the, the songwriter was thinking of when he wrote it. That's right. Yeah. And it, you know, so they have this sort of argument and then he, you know, he kind of comes around to her way of thinking and then they kiss and make up. And as they're kissing, and this is yeah, the first time, I don't think he's necessarily comes around to her way of thinking. I think it's one of those things where like, he's had this argument in real life and realizes there's no winning. <laughs> there's no winning this argument. And so here we go. We're going to yeah. wrap that up. So then he, uh, he, he kisses her. And this is the first time in the film where they've actually had like any sort of physical contact with each other. And so they actually have like a a kiss on the mouth. And at this moment, we get a quick cut to the janitor looking out, out of a kind of peephole in a window. And now, you know, you could say he's looking at them. That seems very unlikely because they don't exist except in his mind. But he is obviously a, a spectator of this incident. And Jake becomes outraged that they have been spied upon so outraged that he insists on 
going into the school to find this person who was looking at them, and he leaves. And, of course, Lucy becomes scared. She's also, she wonders about hypothermia, and, and, and she you know, asks aloud, I wonder, I've heard it's, she says, it's probably not a bad way to go. And then uh, she gets out of the car to call for Jake, and she discovers that she's locked herself out of the car, or the car has locked itself out, away, she's, the car has locked itself, and she can no longer get in it. And so she is forced to go into the school. And as she goes up the stairs into the school, she looks down and there's a dumpster and it's absolutely teeming with burr cups. Most of them are empty, but there's two that are full. And those are, of course, the two that Jake dumped in there. Right. So does that mean he goes to that Dairy Queen or whatever they call it, Tulsa town, uh, all the time as the janitor? Like to the point where the people who work there are like, ooh, this guy. <laughs> it's possible. It is, it is possible. Or it's just a popular place nearby that everyone goes to, and this is where all the things end up. But I, I think you're right. It's probably, it probably represents a lifetime of, of just eating this garbage, you know, and there it yeah. is. That's like, he, because, you know, if, if he's a guy who's so buried in his old memories and mm-hmm. regrets, then, you know, there probably was something there that was, uh, you know, lovely when he was a young person, you know, that was comforting about these milkshakes at this Dairy Queen that was there that I know is now called Tulsa Town. Uh, and, and he, you know, he just, he still has them to this day. And, you know, what was once a, a really nice treat to him is now like, who's this creep who just keeps ordering milkshakes all the time? Look, <laughs> that janitor. You know, and maybe they see the little white stuff in the side of his mouth from drinking. And it's like, ugh, that guy. Gross. <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm going to tell you something really quick that's just a dumb bit of uh, Dairy Queen trivia. Sure. I stumbled upon with that. Um, uh, Dairy Queen came up with a blizzard in 1985, but they used to have blizzards in the 60s as well. Oh. Yeah. And they, but they were, were different, uh, though. They were uh, more conventional, very thick milkshakes, mm. but they would do the thing of like holding them upside down to show you how thick that they were. Oh, wow, wow. Okay, okay. So if this was, a, if, you know, if this was Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen, yeah. Uh, then yeah, this would have been the kind of thing that he would have had when he was a teenager and would have been his uh, kind of, you know, pleasant memories <laughs> and uh, of those days. And, and again, still having them to this day, which ugh, not a, not a good thing. Um, despite my calling them garbage, I, I do like Dairy Queen blizzards, and uh, although I would never never get a large one or one that's as big as they have in this film, that would be insane. But no, uh, the only, the I do love I that know. they uh, I do love that they always have to uh, turn them upside down. But because they're like teenagers working in a restaurant, they do it in the most cursory way possible. It's <laughs> kind of like flip flip. Oh, right, there you go. Get out of here. Yeah, I had one after uh, some. Uh some dental work or something where I could only eat soft foods. And okay. My, uh, my roommate was really sweet and she brought the, uh, it to me, but it all melted on the way home. And so, uh, it was like from the elevator to our apartment, there was a trail of blizzard <laughs> and it was so clear that it was us. And oh, so we dude. had to go out and just scrub the carpet. <laughs> That's yeah. why I haven't had a blizzard since. So there you go. Wow. Uh, maybe I associate, cause I remember when I was, when I had cancer, actually, I was, I was very in a lot of pain because of the tumor. And I would, I was laying with my back to the fireplace in our house because I made it feel better. And uh, my aunt came over to visit, and she brought me a blizzard. So maybe I associate it with that. Oh, that's very sweet. Um, so then, uh, Lucy tries to find Jake in the school, and then she sees the janitor. So she's trying to find Jake, but also hide from the janitor. But it seems unavoidable. Eventually, he comes upon her in the hallway, and she asks if if she, you know, she tells him why she's there, and she's looking for her boyfriend, and he says something very quietly that he hasn't seen her and you know how does what does he look like and because (laughs) i guess because lucy is now confronting jake 
as an old man, she can no longer remember what he looked like. She can't describe him. Yeah, it's so difficult to to remember what people look like. But that also is a sign of dementia as well. Okay. Yeah. And so then um, she then tells the janitor a different version of her meeting uh, Jake. So we get a different we get a different take on her story of meeting of meeting uh, Jake. And then she gives the janitor a hug. And then he tries to give her a pair of blue slippers that are just like the ones that Jake gave her when she came to uh, his parents' house. Mm-hmm. But she refuses them. She insists that the janitor, that they're his and he should keep them. And But he wants her to wear them because he doesn't want her to track uh, her wet boots all over the school. She, you know, demurs and she discontinues. She just goes off and tracks her wet boots all over the school. Right. Really nice, Lucy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Lucy and Jake then meet in a hallway. And at this moment, the film really goes off into its own little world. Uh, two doubles, two TV versions of themselves, more attractive versions, more, you know, skinny, lithe versions of themselves come out and kind of at first stand uh, behind them. I guess, no, I guess they stand in front of them and they come together and they begin to dance and they, they do a full, full on, uh, you know, choreographed dance. In some ways, recalling the two students who were dancing, the two Oklahoma uh, actors, uh, students dancing in the hallway, in that they, but in a more choreographed way, slam the locker door shut rather than kicking them yeah. with their feet as they're as they're spinning. They begin a full-on dance. A priest appears. A veil magically drops from nowhere over Lucy's head, over dancer Lucy's head, and the priest then, in it's silent, but you know he indicates that they are now married, and they begin. They go start. They go to celebrate their their marriage when she is stolen away from from Jake by the jan- by a different janitor a younger dancer janitor who grabs her and they begin to have a a dance conflict in the gymnasium where it's snowing and Jake then confronts the janitor and they have a fight and then the janitor in the fight uh pulls out a knife which they fight over but the janitor prevails and stabs Jake killing him killing the younger Jake which only leaves the janitor Jake. Now the the dancer Jake falls to the ground and dies, throwing little red ribbons in the air to indicate that he's bleeding out, which I like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We then have non-dancing Jake and Lucy meet over dancing Jake's corpse, and then they go their separate ways. They walk away from each other. And then we cut to the broom of the janitor, of the old janitor, sweeping the floor, and then the janitor leaves the school and gets in his truck. And this is where, I guess this is the scene where he commits suicide because he has some sort of attack. He undresses himself in the truck. Because when you have hypothermia. Exactly. That's yeah. the final stage is the, the feeling that you're warm. And so he undresses in the truck. And then he hallucinates a Tulsi town ad, an old ad, because it's black and white. It's like a memory that he would have had from, from his childhood of Tulsi town. And then this image fades and is replaced by an animated pig who begins to speak to him and the, the and says, you know, let's go. And so the janitor, naked, gets out of the truck and begins trudging through the snow back towards the school. And he follows the pig uh, through, this, through the school. And then we return to the, the kind of the dream Jake, the young Jake. But now he is aged, but he's aged in a way that you would be aged if you were in a school play. 
Yeah, a very... Uh, He's yeah. got the cornstarch in his hair. Yeah. He has the very exaggerated lines drawn on his face to indicate that he is old. And even even worse is the makeup of the people in the audience. Yes. And he walks on the stage, and he, which is the Oklahoma set. Yeah. But he comes up to a dais, and he is clearly going to be given the Nobel pr- Prize. He's got the blue ribbon of the Nobel Prize, the Nobel Prize medal on his... You know, he's wearing that. He... Let me, let me also, by the way, say Oklahoma, yeah. if you're looking for the most idealized version of a farm, yeah. that's, your, that's your musical. There you go. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah corn yeah. is as high as an elephant's eye. Yeah. And as as you said, uh, we see the audience and everyone he, he we have seen in the movie is in the audience. And we assume that everyone he's ever known is in the audience. And they're right. all there watching him. And all of them are aged in that in a very exaggerated school play sort of way with these very simple lines, you know, worry lines and, and oops, worry lines and, and age lines, you know, mascaraed onto their face. And he then gives the acceptance speech from a beautiful mind to the audience. So once again, he, he brings the, the film world that has infected his life, mm-hmm. you know, once again, comes back into the into the story and but it's a very heartfelt speech and he accepts this nobel prize and then he sings a lonely room from from the musical oklahoma mm-hmm. and when he finishes singing the scene fades to blue and then it comes up on the blue of the of morning and then we see the parking lot of the morning and now it's strange to me but it is jake's car that is covered in snow not the truck right which is strange. So instead of seeing the janitor, because you know before the janitor's truck was there and Jake's car, which would have been imaginary, mm-hmm. but instead of the truck being there, being covered in snow, it is the car that has been covered in snow. We're still we're uh, look the whole thing. It, see, it would actually not have worked. I think if we if we had, uh, yeah, I don't think it, there's any way we could have seen Jake's truck. But let me let me say one, and I'll get into that in just a second. Sure. But let me say there was a a, a thing that um, uh, Kaufman did here. It was like, oh, you clever goose. (laughs) There used to be a thing uh, that they would do to uh, get you an Oscar. And what you would have to do is you would have to make sure at the end of your movie, everyone gives a standing ovation and claps. Ah, okay. Okay. And that that was a little something that they would do in all these movies. They listed all these movies that won Oscars. And on this, and it had that final scene or like next to last scene in, in, okay. in the movies. Okay. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, very, very clever. You actually got one of those in there. Good for you. <laughs> okay. So why you couldn't have the truck is because uh, if we had the truck, uh, we are now in our reality. I see. And we have never been in our reality through this whole thing. This yeah. whole thing is Jake's perspective. Sure, sure. So his final, yeah, his final like image is the blue sky and the car and this, and, you know, he is not quite gone yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is his final, final image. It's peaceful. It's covered. It's ready. It's moving on. His Very serene, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And this is where and this is where we're at. We haven't had uh, this kind of sky through the whole thing. Things got more chaotic, more chaotic, more chaotic. And now he's, now he's at peace. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know. I, I don't much care for. Uh, <laughs> you don't much care that he died, or yeah, I don't much care. Look, I mean, bottom line, this is this is a movie about a guy uh, who's uh, more than likely mentally ill, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, is slowly uh, freezing to death in a uh, in a truck. You know, when we see that when we see him in the truck getting undressed, that is uh, he kind of snaps out of it for a little bit, and he is himself. 
and then he then he then we see the fantasy of like him with the pig and he's back into i think his world yeah but but it's like okay you're taking us through this but what do we what do we get out of this what 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 is the i don't want to say what's the point um but it's just it's tragedy on tragedy on tragedy on sadness on sadness <laughs> yeah you know yeah. clearly his mother had you know we, we if not dementia probably schizophrenia and if and and possibly he does as well he's got something that's wrong his his brain he's at a point in his life where his brain is is reconnecting things in the wrong order trying to make sense of his life and it does give him a happy ending it does give him does give him peace but it's just like oh, such an enormous bummer. Um, which you can you can do things that are a drag. I get it. Yeah. It's fine. It just it feels so as you said, student film artsy freaking thing. Like it's like if you see a student movie, you know the main character is going to die at the end. Yeah. Why? Because oh, the impact and the clapping, and here <laughs> we go. It's a, it's a, it's fine, and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It just feels. Ugh, is that what we're doing? We're doing that. Okay. Yeah. Is there nothing else you can do? Whereas I feel like a movie like uh, the the Malkovich movie or or any of his earlier films, they just were more clever and interesting and still impactful. Whereas this one, I'm not going to probably be coming back to mentally or replaying or think or wanting to watch again. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it is what it, it is. What it is. You make your own interpretations. But it really felt student filmy, but very well done student filmy to me. Um, yeah, uh, my feeling is that, like, you know, to be honest with you, I don't mind a movie that ends with a sad ending, that it has no, the death or whatever. That's okay. that's yeah. fine with me. I I actually kind of like movies like that ever since I was a kid and was forced to watch Brian's Song by my mom. But I do feel that, like, for me, this movie isn't a sad movie because I have no connection to the to the character who's dying there's no you know we're we're seeing like his view of his life but it you know it's it's not really a warm view there's no sense of him as a warm and loving person there's no sense of him as as a great guy you know that things went awry and maybe you know he didn't get what he wanted in life but that's so sad and if you know and if you if you're right and there is like a if there is like a homosexual subtext to it where he is gay and that was something that he had to like deny in order to to keep his parents happy and stuff like that. That's super sad. But you you know that it's really just there as like a, a subtle hint that you have to like you know pour over or or watch the movie a couple times to pick up on, you know, or or write extensive notes about the film and then spend some time pouring over them. You know, those aren't then it's not something that's just there for you to 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 see and feel and 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 understand that character's pain and stuff like that. You know, so you're just watching this film where you're completely disconnected from the characters, and then the character dies, and you're like, okay, that happens. That's well, true. Let, let me ask you this: Then, do you think? I mean, the very final image that you get of the car. Yeah, yeah, I felt very... sorry for the car. I did feel sorry for the car. Sure, the battery's the final... probably dead. You know, <laughs> so. well, you, uh, this is the thing. Uh, you hear a sound of a, an engine turning over. So some people think that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the car is starting. I don't know. It's what it says in Wikipedia, <laughs> but I don't buy it. There, there is a, people... yeah. If you watch it at the end of the film, there is a sound of a car, but it doesn't yeah. mean it's that car. No. Okay. But here's a more important thing to me. Yeah. It's like the very final image that you've got there is a landscape. That's what you're getting. Ah. And, you know, what the dad says is, you know, how do I know? How do how do I feel sad if there's not a person in in there? Yeah, 
be sad. It's like, did we just watch a landscape of a person's life? (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, yeah, you do, the things you can sort of pick up on clues-wise is he wasn't ever good with girls. Mm -hmm. Never good with girls. Okay, and that can mean something or it can mean something. Um, He wanted to be an artist and he couldn't be an artist or he was too frustrated as an artist. His parents clearly didn't get it. His mom was probably too encouraging. She, you know, that's what he was saying. Like she was too coddling. Dad was just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's like, okay, fair enough. He loves musicals, but he was not part of any musicals. Did he want to be part of a musical? Probably. If you know that many musicals and you know these songs and your final uh, thing that you, that you do is like sing in your last moments. Yeah. You wanted to be part of musicals and you wouldn't let yourself be part of musicals. So he wanted to be part of the arts. He wanted to be part of this world. He wanted to be thought of as an intellectual and apparently people called him an idiot. Uh, he was, he was not able to achieve these dreams. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a sad thing. Was it his fault? Who knows? You know, he got older and then, you know, the younger, younger women just thought he was old and creepy. And uh, there you go. And maybe he had mental illness like his parents did. Both of them did. Probably he did too. Probably. Um, and that's what we're seeing play out. Okay. So <laughs> what do we, what do we take? What do we take from this? Yeah, What's the takeaway? What's the, what, how are you better for having seen this? How? Well, once again, I don't, think a movie necessarily has to have a moral or a lesson or some way to make us better people i don't i don't think i don't think art has an obligation for that but i do think that a movie is obligated for you to have to be connected to it in some way that you have an emotional journey whether it's a pleasant or unpleasant emotional journey you know the move a film should give you something whereas to me this was like finnegan's chin is just a blank uh you know, art piece that's that's very cold and calculated, but is not. But in no way does it does it emotionally satisfy or make you feel like yeah, make you feel like you spent your time wisely. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you look at you look Speaking at someone like, who watched it twice. <laughs> oh wow! Oh my gosh. Uh, but like you got you got the fake Zemeckis film in there. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and you know it's. I feel like I would have preferred to have watched the fake Zemeckis film. <laughs> yes. Like it really, and, and now we're getting into Sullivan's travels. And, I, and I'm speaking as someone who does not like Forrest Gump, you know. So. There you are. But yeah, this feels like we're getting into Sullivan's travels territory where you had uh, the person who did make comforting, uh, humorous movies, yeah. you know, for the common man. Yeah. And who wanted to make, oh brother, where art thou? The film that would, a big statement movie. And it feels like, you know, this isn't the big statement movie. Yeah. But it is the art house movie. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, you can do it. There's nothing wrong with doing it. This doesn't take years off my life. This is fine. You know, you can do this kind of thing. I just felt <laughs> like by the end of it, it was like 134 minutes. Sweet Lord. Like, there's no need for it to be that long. To get to where you're going, yeah, yeah. Like there's just there's just no need for that. It just felt to me indulgent. I know the reviews have been solid. Mm. I'm sure it'll win awards, um, but I think it also comes down to I'm watching this at a time where you know I've been locked into a house for like you know seven six to seven months. Yeah, you know uh, there's you know a maniac in charge of the country below me. Uh, there's a disease floating around. Uh, at the time that we're talking about this, uh, just had a couple of days where the skies are red, <laughs> you know, from from ash, from the from fires, and it's just like, well, let's watch a movie that's a real bummer. 
about a, about a guy slowly dying yeah. uh, in the cold. And I'm like, you know, maybe not the time. Maybe another time this would have been a movie that I would have been great with. It would be fine. It would be an inter interesting intellectual exercise, and I would have loved to have gone with you and some other people to a diner and picked it apart over a coffee <laughs> and maybe getting a milkshake. Yeah. But I can't see you because I can't physically be around people. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's not the movie that I wanted to see right now. <laughs> well, I'll, as someone who is maybe less impacted by what's going on right now, I still didn't want to see it. You know, what's, okay. what's funny is when you mentioned that about the uh, red skies is even though we're closer to the border, which is where the smoke's coming from, uh, we have not had that much smoke here. Mm. Strange. I mean, you must have like this some sort of weather effect, whether, whether it's the mountains or whatever, that's kind of hanging it up. Yeah, we've had a couple of days of, uh, and we'll talk more about this on Sneaky Dragon, sure. um, but uh, we've had a couple of days where it's just been thick with, uh, mm. you know, the air quality is very bad. Yeah. Like, or, and it's just like, it just says other words in front of it that are, you know, say extremely awful. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, we were, I think, like the second worst air quality in the world. That doesn't make like, any sense. It, How, that we're worse than California? We're worse than the inside of a volcano that's erupting. That doesn't, like, that's that, doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know, man. This is what, uh, this is what the news is telling me. So maybe it, maybe it goes with certain areas. I, I don't know. All I know is seeing the, seeing the old man suicide movie for me <laughs> right now. Wasn't your thing. Well, no, at least we I guess you're happy his, you suggested it. I guess, but at least we got to see his butt. So there you go. There's yeah. a little something for, uh, something for, for the ladies and the gentlemen. There you go. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, but hey, why... We, this is the this is the kind of movie that you know I could have missed the point. So if you have a different opinion, we would like to hear from you. And uh, here's how you contact us, and we will uh, you know uh, be happy to read what you have to say. Um, if you go to sneakydragon.com, that is the website for all of our podcasts, and you will find fan splainers on there. Each episode is there, along with all of our other podcasts. Uh, if you go to this episode though, underneath uh, the episode itself is a message board and you can just like uh, post what you think there you could also go to our just regular sneaky dragon uh various pages like go to facebook and look up sneaky dragon boom write us there or go to twitter uh sneaky underscore dragon uh you could go to tumblr sneakydragon.tumblr.com or if you feel like emailing us uh sneaky d at sneaky dragon.com sneaky d at sneaky dragon.com that is uh the easiest way to go about doing that and uh, if you enjoyed this show and uh, want to support it, uh, hey, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but there's this thing called Patreon, and we're on it. So if you go to patreon.com slash sneakydragon and want to do kind of a regular thing of like a buck or five or ten or a thousand dollars a month, um, if you do the thousand thing, we'll mention you on the air. Um, <laughs> uh, we, would, we would appreciate it. Or you can go uh, get the app the Patreon app and just enter Sneaky Dragon and also do it that way. And uh, and there you go. And if you're not familiar with our other podcasts, we do one called Sneaky Dragon where we catch up on what we've been up to for, for the week. We do not spoil movies there, but we do talk about whatever's going on pop culture-wise and also what's going on in our lives. And David, you've got a podcast called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party that I think you should tell uh, people about. Oh, okay. I do a podcast called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Thank you. No, uh, I do that with my daughter, Mary. 
And we like to uh, we listen to music together and talk about the history of bands and uh, and our agreements and disagreements about different types of music. It's a lot of fun. There you are. And silly jokes so, as well. And, and, you know, it's a father-daughter podcast. Who does that? These guys do. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's a damn delight. So uh, go and, uh, and check that out if you would like. Uh, we also, I'll just do this real quick uh, plug. Dave and I also did a kid's book called, two kid's books, one called Sparks and one called Sparks Double Dog Dare. They're published by Scholastic. They're in bookstores now. Uh, the second one just came out. And uh, David colored it. I wrote it. And our friend Nita, Nina Matsumoto uh, drew it. It is the currently the number four uh, uh, kids uh, Canadian kids book here in our country of Canada. Uh, so if you've got, uh, you got a young one who uh, likes a funny book about cats who dress up as a dog, that's the plot, um, <laughs> you can go and check that out. So anything else, uh, David, the, before we uh, sign off? Anything uh, surreal, any animation you want to bring up the last second? Uh, do you want to dress up as a chicken and go life on a farm is hard? Anything at all? Well, right now maggots are eating my stomach, so it is what it is. It is what it is. Told me so much about both of you too. And you came anyway. <laughs> <laughs>